Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Happy birthday to the United States of America. Going strong. Going strong. Freedom rings from coast to coast. Allegedly. Good morning and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Casey, can we turn my headset down just a little bit? People don't like hearing my voice that much, and I certainly don't either. So thank you very, very much. That's much better. Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody doing today? Big weekend? Yeah, it was a great weekend. Fireworks. Uh, What would you guys do? Uh, Yesterday. We got everybody full house, by the way. We got Casey. We got Reed. We got Elliot. We got Jacob. Good morning to all. So you were saying, Reed. I was uh, in downtown Hamilton. We had a nice little concert. Had this uh, concert. What kind of concert? What kind of band? The band was called the the Arena Rock Show, and it's they they put on a whole performance of all the big hair bands from the eighties. Nice, you know Motley Crue, yeah. Van Halen, all these guys, right. and they they come out differently, and they they put on a hell of a show, and they immediately lead it in straight from the concert into the fireworks show here in Hamilton. It was a beautiful Fourth of July. Big My, crowd or huge crowd, Tom. Thousands and thousands of people. Very nice. But uh, my dog, who is deathly afraid of fireworks, yeah. tore up my entire house. So Yeah, in, in fact, I read an article about that. It's interesting you bring it up, and not to drift off of any, but I, but I read an article where, where uh, one of our dogs gets terrified, too. I mean, terrified, like you're talking about with yours. Mm-hmm. But I read an article where um, there are literally thousands of animals, dogs you know, especially, uh, in people's homes that if they can get out, they get so scared, they end up running away. And the, and the people lose their animals. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I just read about it this morning. Casey, what were your uh, holiday endeavors? Um, so. There you go Saturday. again. This has become a habit. <laughs> I, I don't know where this started. Is this an OCD thing? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I literally hear myself in this. Like, it's not like where I can hear the backup or like what you hear. Right. I'm hearing what's live. So delay. I hear an You're echo. You're a little delay. Yeah, okay, I, I, I understand. So go ahead. Okay. So uh, Saturday, we spent most of the day uh, at the Taylor Swift concert. Um, I did not go inside. Right. I went just to hang out at the banks. And then yep. um, half my family went to the bottom part of Paul, not Paul Brown, Paycor yep. to listen to Taylor. And then the other... Have. My wife did that Friday night. Did she? Yeah. It's actually like, you can hear it. It's rocking yeah. it. Yeah, she said it was great. Yeah. But um, after that, after that Saturday, we had a Sunday wedding and the, and the pouring down rain. Luckily, mm-hmm. most of it was inside, but we had a, uh, it was funny because we had the uh, little um, cocktail hour in a, a tent. Everyone was huddled in because it was downpouring, almost raining sideways. We're all getting wet inside this tent. And after that, Monday... Um, relaxed Tuesday, hung out with family. Nice. Enjoyed Fourth of July. Very, very nice, gentlemen. Either one, don't jump right in now. <laughs> I mean, anybody, you know, go ahead. What did you guys do? After you, Jacob. I went to the Reds game on Sunday. Yeah, it was a fun crowd. It was a good game. Got the win. Um, then one of my one of my good friends turned twenty one on Monday. So whoa, got an early start to the Fourth of July festivities. Bled into Tuesday, so it was a good weekend. Wow, and where'd you guys go for his twenty first birthday? His house, and then down to the banks. Nice, the great Holy Grail and tin roof. Very nice. very nice. nice, nice. Elliot, we did we did a Reds game Saturday. Sunday we did grandparents' house fireworks. 
Monday we the did fireworks. You you set off the fireworks. Yes, really. Yes. Okay. So not okay. a lot, not big ones, but you know, yeah. the little ones. Okay. Uh, Monday, same thing. We went to grandparents' house. Then I went to a fireworks show at Kaluga. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Kaluga, but it's what, a park, what is Kaluga Park right by Our Lady the Visitation. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's right there. That's uh, on the west side. West side of Cincinnati, yes. best side. Pride of the west side. That's right. And it was a great show. Um, and then what, was I, what did I do yesterday? Yesterday, not a whole lot. We said, I think my sister and her boyfriend last night around midnight, they bought a bunch, a bunch of fireworks, just started rattling them off. At midnight. At yeah. midnight. See, those are it the was, assholes that make yeah. me crazy. About, you know, like, I mean, seriously. On the right? 5th of July. I mean, seriously. <laughs> come on. To what be, the hell? To be fair, we don't have a lot of neighbors. We're up up isolated on, on a hill. So we don't have a ton of neighbors, but I'm sure it did wake up someone. But that was my sister. I was not me. I'd like to make – I'm all blame on my sister. Were you there? Were you helping? I was up in, in my room. I was just watching. So, yeah. But it was a good I weekend. I was thinking about that last weekend. night. I felt like, you know, for the first, not for the first time, but I mean, I generally am all about the celebration, America, all those kinds of things. But then I, I, I'm in bed last trying to go to sleep, and, and there's always somebody. Obviously, Elliot, your family is that somebody. <laughs> you know, they decide, okay, at 1130, we're going to start shooting them off again. It's like uh, enough already, right? right? I agree. <laughs> I said that one time about Cub fans. Enough you already. You did. That's right. It, it's a, a meme that still lives yeah, on Cubs, I'm sure. I'm Cubs sure. Twitter. Yeah, I know all about it. All right. Uh, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10A to 12P. You can join us on the YouTube uh, slash Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. It doesn't matter if they start at 6 o'clock. 11 a.m., 4 o'clock, I think it's 7 tonight, right? Makes no difference. The Red Legs just keep on rolling. Do you know the Reds, okay? The team we wondered about, let's be honest, you did too, okay? We wondered, how were they going to generate any offense when this season started? They are the fourth highest scoring team in the National League. They are the seventh highest scoring team in all of Major League Baseball. Just yesterday, 16 hits. Eight more runs, 8-4 win over the Nationals, who are awful. Cincinnati's third straight win. De La Cruz, Steer, each with four hits. The slumping Jonathan India comes alive. He has three hits, including two home runs. It makes you wonder if this might be that magical season that you see other teams have. The case in point is the dude who started yesterday. Okay, this is the kind of stuff that happens in those magical seasons. Okay, this guy is not pitching the big leagues, Brett Kennedy, since 2018. That was the only time he was ever in the big leagues with San Diego. Two months ago, he's pitching in New Jersey in an independent league. Now, give the Reds credit. They heard about the guy, went over and scouted the guy. They signed him. They sent him to Louisville. He pitches very, very well. He's up in the big leagues because the starting rotation is a mess. And yesterday pitches pretty well. In fact, gets the win. That's the kind of stuff that happens. Is this going to be one of those seasons in Cincinnati? Game three of the series tonight in D.C. Graham Ashcraft, coming off his first good start since April, gets a ball against Josiah Gray. Cincinnati leads the National League Central by one game over Milwaukee. And those two teams will meet six consecutive games 
with the All-Star Game in between starting on Friday night. Nick Kirby, co-host of the enormously popular Chatterbox Reds, joins us in about 20 minutes to talk about your Cincinnati Reds. Is anybody paying attention, I mean really paying attention, to what Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing with the Braves? I mean, th this is insanity, what this guy is doing. He became, over the weekend, the first player ever. Now, just think about this for a minute. To hit 20 home runs, steal 40, that's 4-0, bases, and knock in 50 or more runs before the All-Star break. He also yesterday becomes the first player ever to either hit a home run or steal a base in 13 straight games. I mean, if somebody would have told you that a player would do one of those things before the All-Star break, you'd say no way. Both of those things before the All-Star break, Bedfred Sports would put that at Hundreds of thousands to one, right? Everyone's talking about, like, can Luis Arise hit 400 mm -hmm. this season? The way more intriguing thing to me is, I originally said, can Ronald Acuna hit 40-60? 40 home runs, 60 stolen bases. Can he do 40-80, Tom? There's no doubt. He's on pace for it. I think that Eric Davis did 30-80, didn't he? I don't, I don't know what Eric Davis did. I know every person that has done 40-40 has been, like, They've barely scraped by on both par parties. Like, it's been like right. 42 home runs, 43 stolen bases, which is an incredible feat. But no one has just blown either one of those categories out of the water when yeah. they do 40-40. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable what this guy is doing. Unreal. Anyway, uh, other news and notes around baseball. The Angels placed Mike Trout on the injured list with an injured wrist and then watched the next day Shohei Otani and third baseman Anthony Rendon leave the game with injuries. A blister for Otani. Gave up back-to-back -back home runs. Has a blister on his hand. Rendon fouled a ball of his legs. Um, Anaheim is seven back in the American League West. Soccer news. The U.S. men's national team will play this Sunday in the Gold Club semifinals, and that will be at TQL Stadium. That game starts at 7.30, taking on Canada. In fact, it's part of a doubleheader down there at TQL. The other quarterfinal has Jamaica against Guatemala. Reed thought Guatemala was in Indonesia. It's not true, Tom. I said I didn't realize that Guatemala was in Central America. And you said, where the hell did you think it was? And I was like, I don't know, South America? I didn't think it was over in, in, in Asia. I've been to Guatemala, Tom. What's that? I've been to Guatemala. You have? 10-day mission trip my freshman year of high school. How was that? Was wonderful time. Learned a lot. Very nice. Most impactful weeks of my life. Very nice. Were you on the water there or no? No, we were in the city. We were yeah, building, okay. yeah, building stuff for churches and stuff in the area. Okay. All right. That's very, very nice. Very nice. Um, why is everybody uh, in the chat uh, is screaming and yelling to talk about Andrew Abbott? I mean, the guy's pitching great. What else do you want to talk about? I mean, we got guys in the chat saying he's the next Clayton Kershaw. Happy? Come on now. Come on now. Let's don't get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> the guy's been pretty good. Clayton Kershaw is going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he's been great. I mean, he, he – I'm not so sure since he, he came up that there's been a better pitcher in the National League. Right? No, yeah. ERA, what, 1-2? Yeah. Six starts? It's pretty good. 
was pretty damn good. The standing ovation he got on Sunday when they took him out was one of the loudest I've heard for a pitcher in Great American in a long, long time. That whole stadium was on its feet cheering for him after he, what do you have, 12 strikeouts yeah. in 7.2 innings? And he never walks anybody. Unbelievable. And the run he allows is a home run after 7.2 innings. Like yeah. You're trying to wring the towel out and get everything you can out of him. And Fernando Tatis, who does that on the regular, hits a home run over the wall. Okay. Like, he almost had a below one ERA through six starts. Has has he allowed an earned run without giving up a home run? I think he's given up five earned runs and four I think home you're runs. Right. I so think I don't you're think right. they've hit an earned run on just a consecutive hit. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, we're going to get into all kinds of different things today because we've, we've been gone. You know, the holiday and, you know, all the players uh, were announced for the all-star team. We're going to get into that whole thing about some snubs for the team uh, from the Reds. Um, you know, look, I like when guys just, just tell the truth on, on, on how they feel about things. And look, I think Indy is a gamer. There's no doubt about it. Guy's a gamer, gives you all he's got, seems like a good guy. I'm out here picking on him. But when they're asked about getting snubbed, right, it makes me crazy when they say that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. I mean, give me a break. Steer came out and said, hey, man, it would be, right? He said, look, it would be really nice to be going to the All-Star game. I mean, come on. What player playing in Little League in Hamilton, Ohio, and that powerhouse Little League World Series team they have around here, right, all the time? Hamilton Westside. That's exactly right. I mean, what kid, whether it's here, whether it's in Knothole, whether it's down in North Carolina, whether it's in California, wherever, okay? Anywhere but Portland, Oregon. What little kid doesn't dream about one day playing in the big leagues, if you're a little baseball player, and then to get a chance to play in the all-star game, right? So it, it does mean something. And it means something when you're having a great year and you can be a young player, mean, probably even more so for a veteran player who has a great first half. And you know you're never going to get that chance to go to the all-star game again. I mean, Matt McLean, chances are he'll have a chance to go again. Steer, he'll have a chance to go again. Some older guys you see around baseball, you know, when, when they have a great first half, you'd really love to see them get in because you don't know if they will. That's why, you know, you get to the whole thing, and I'm curious to hear, hear what you guys think. Um, De La Cruz has been spectacular. They're, well, at least against right-handed pitching, he's been spectacular, right? Against yep. lefties, different ball game. We'll get into that later. But um, that's why I don't like it. I understand why for entertainment value and baseball needs to find a way to appeal to more people because it's been a dying sport the last number of years uh, on multiple levels. But I get upset with people uh, who write that put De La Cruz in the All-Star game. Right? At the expense of maybe some veteran player who's been around for a while that's never going to get this. De La Cruz has a good chance of being in this spot again, right? Yep. Right. You think you ought to be going to the All Star Game? No, I do not. But I, I do. I do understand the excitement. The MLB has has failed for a long time to to uh, to showcase their star players. I, I I would say there's a ton of people in this country that still don't know who Mike Trout is, and he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I think trying to get him to an All Star Game early would be a good thing for the MLB. It would be a good thing for the Reds. But at the same time, you can't give it to a guy who's only played a handful of games compared to somebody who's played 80, you know, it's, it just doesn't work that way. It right. doesn't work that way. It's not fair to the guys who played 80. 
Yeah, no, I agree with Elliot there. I mean, you heard that they – it was reported that they offered him a spot in the home run derby that he declined. Yep. He said he wanted to focus on playing with the Reds. And yep. If that series of events is true, round of applause, Elliot De La Cruz. Way to stay focused on what matters and not, you know, get wrapped up in the story of yourself. I mean, yep. that's a wonderful – Wonderful decision by him. Well, you know, it's interesting because some guys, now Pete Alonso is not one of these guys who's been the uh, home run derby king, what, two or three years in a row? I think two, two times in two a row. Times two times in a row, okay. Um, you know, but, but there are a lot of guys that will tell you, and we've all heard this before, this is breaking news about how some guys feel like um, your swing can get messed up going to do that thing. And, and De La Cruz, you know, look, he's just saying, look, right now, no, I, I'm in the big leagues. Take the three days, get a break, and and be ready to go. Because I mean, I mean, you talk about getting into nut cutting time, man. I mean, I know we're only in July, and there's a long way to go, right? But these, you know, the, the take care of business here tonight, tomorrow in DC. Team is golly day. I was reading an article today. I typed in Google. What has happened to the Washington Nationals? This team won the World Series in 2019. Whole team's gone. Yeah, and then the guys that they're paying either stink, in Patrick Corbin's case, mm-hmm. right? And all, a lot of Reds fans are screaming and yelling for Patrick Corbin. I was against that right away. Patrick Corbin sucks. Okay. <laughs> and the Strasburg thing, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. it, that's just bad, bad luck. But they gave him, what, $245 million like seven years, and he can't pitch. They don't know if he's ever going to pitch again. Um, but gosh. I just can't believe what has happened uh, to that team. But anyway, so you take care of business uh, in D.C. I mean, you'd like to win the next two, but if you went three out of four, you went three out of four and you move on. But starting Friday night now, whole different ballgame. You're going to Milwaukee for three. You got the all-star break. And then you open the second half of the season against Milwaukee here at Great American Ballpark. Uh, Reed, the Brewers and the Cubs got together yesterday. Yeah. Cubbies winning that game in dramatic fashion. Ian Happ throws out, what, two guys at home plate? Yeah, I was actually telling the story. Um, Owen Miller, who came up in the 10th inning, um, bottom of the 10th inning, it's a tie ball game. Owen Miller com- comes up, runner on second base, hits a ball out to left field. Ian Happ throws, throws the runner out at home, and Owen Miller was just standing in between first and second base because he thought the game was over. He thought that he hit the walk-off home run, so he wasn't worried about getting to second base. All of a sudden, they tag the dude out at home, and he's out in no man's land because he's the last out in the 10th inning. Right. He starts out at second base in the 11th and gets thrown out at home once again. Tom, i got to tell you, the Cubs are ruining my life game by game. <laughs> Dude, what put- has happened to them? I mean, they were on a roll the last time I saw you, uh, yeah. and now all of a sudden the proverbial wheels are falling off, when despite the, the win yesterday. When the, Cub- when the Reds went on their 12-game win streak, I think the Reds, over a 15-game stretch, were 13-2. and two. Over that same 15-game stretch, the Cubs were 12-3, and three, were mm-hmm. only a game behind them. And they made it to all the way to, I think, at a game and a half out of yep. the – of the division standings, well, since that 15-game stretch, the Cubs then went on to lose seven of eight games, three of those games in, like, they, they blew a lead in the seventh or eighth or ninth inning. And they just – the wheels have fallen off, Tom. They're seven games back. And where they were talking about, you know, adding on to the team two weeks ago, now they're looking at the very real possibility of getting rid of Marcus Stroman, who's an all-star, and Cody Bellinger. you really believe they're going to do that? I – 
Listen, I mean, do you really believe they're going to do that? I don't know about Marcus Stroman because I think there's still hope that he will get an extension. I don't. I really don't know. He's he's going to opt out of his contract next year. I don't know if you want to give a 34 year old five foot seven guy who doesn't throw very hard an extension, but he's pitching very well. Cody Bellinger is getting 17.5 to play for the Cubs right now on a one year deal. So why not get rid of Cody Bellinger? He hasn't done a whole lot as of as of late. He had a really hot April and May. But I never liked the guy. You never liked Cody. Never Bellinger. liked him. He had the one great year. Had the huge swing. Seems like every time I saw him play, and I'm not taking anything away from what he did the one year. Was he the MVP? Yeah, he yes. was Rookie of the Year, the MVP. <laughs> and Silver Slugger. And yeah, and the, but, but, but I mean, I, it's such a long, huge swing. And, and there's just a big, there are a lot of holes there. He's so tall. And I, I, I don't know. Some people like him. Obviously, the Cubs like him. You don't like him. I, I, he played you really, don't like him. I, I, he's still young, Tom. He's, he's uh, 27 years old. I mean, how old is like Spencer Steer? Is he 25? Like, so he's he's still young, and he's got the caliber where he's a rookie of the year, won an MVP, has stunk over the past few years. Since the shift has gone this year, he's hit a lot better. Right. He's batting 280. The slugging has has gone down quite a bit. He hasn't hit a home run like in two months, but he was hurt for one of those months. But there's still a lot of talent there. He's still a great glove, and he's got the home run power. He's got the big swing. I don't know. I'm not out on Cody Bellinger. I just okay. know he's not going to be a Cub next year, so might as well get rid of him. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, let's talk more about the Reds and why not. They're the talk of the town right now. And uh, Chatterbox Reds, I mean, it's one of the, what, 10 most uh, popular shows, baseball shows, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. In the world. And a big reason why is Nick Kirby. I mean, there he is. He never leaves that joint. Is that your basement, Nick, or is that uh, the, the, the ground floor? What do you got going there in that, in that man cave studio of yours? Uh, hey, Tom, that's the, the basement. Do you have any natural light down there, or you just sit down there and, and, and like, just dissect everything that is all reds? No, I got, I got about three windows down here. So, yeah, it, it's, like, just barely the, the top of the basement still, still sees daylight. So Okay. All right. Okay. Um, let's start with, um, uh, you know, I made the comment in the monologue and I remember, um, when I was doing the Diamondbacks, we had this guy that was this journeyman minor league player. And I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name, Robert. I can see him right in front of my eyes right now. Anyway, when the Diamondbacks won the world series in 2001, and, you know, they had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling and all these guys, right, and all these stars at all these position veteran players, not like the Reds players. Um, but, you know, a couple guys went down that year during the regular season, and they bring this guy up who's this journeyman pitcher, um, getting to the big leagues at like 30 years old, and all of a sudden this guy rips off like, three months or two and a half months where he is just spectacular. He's going six innings every game. He's giving up two runs or three runs. And, you know, he becomes a big fan favorite and all that kind of thing. And I made the comment, those are the kinds of things that happen when it turns into that quote-unquote special or magical year, right? I bring it all up because of a guy like Kennedy yesterday. I mean, this guy's pitching independent league baseball right? Two months ago, somewhere in New Jersey. It's an incredible story. Robert Ellis, was that your guy in Robert Ellis, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nick. Yeah, looked it up. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, these are you're, you're spot on. These are the kind of players, the kind of performances you need uh, in a year like this. If the Reds are going to be, as I think they are, ahead of schedule to this point, um, you need guys like Kennedy to to hold the line. Um, and and it, as we kind of inch closer to the Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo potential returns, it, it's like it keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And, and it, I feel like the closer you get to Green and Lodolo, the more realistic the Reds' chances are of actually pulling this thing off. When you talk about Green and Lodolo, though, uh, Nick, again, uh, we're not hearing much about Hunter Green unless there's something that I missed about realistically what his timetable might look like. He's been out long enough now where they have to send him out at least for one or two starts in the minor leagues before he'd come back and rejoin this rotation, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're Lodolo and Green are both in Arizona rehabbing now. They are throwing there. Um, I'm sure both of those guys would, would have several rehab starts. Especially um, Lodolo. He might max out on 20 days, 21 days, right? Yeah. But the, the Reds are saying they, they think they could be early August. So um, the fact that they're both throwing at this point is, is – uh, encouraging haven't heard anything saying they've had any sort of setbacks or anything that's all certainly a possibility um but yeah i mean they're you're getting closer <laughs> that that's kind of been the thing that that you've looked at this reds team and you said oh is this pitching going to be able to piece together enough wins and they just keep hanging around they just keep hanging around they keep winning they keep winning and you keep getting closer to to those guys returning get closer to the trade deadline when maybe you could at least bring a, a veteran in or something like that and uh every day this keeps going the more <laughs> realistic it, it feels it really does i mean it, i'm just amazed by their uh resiliency when they fall behind and the other team will get a couple runs and then they find a way and look it, it, it's one of the oldest you know cliches in in sports but they are the very definition of it seems to be a different guy every night. You know what I mean? They have a, a playoff caliber lineup. I mean, yeah. there's there, there's not holes in the lineup. Uh, the Reds just optioned Stuart Fairchild to AAA. Like, Stuart Fairchild, for a lot of the Reds teams over the last decade, would have been starting playing every single day and would have been a fine player. And, and right now, he's excess. Uh, and that just speaks volumes like, to the, the the lineup and the, the talent that they've brought in. Um the pitching needs to catch up a little bit to that, but your top two pitchers are out right now. So it, it, it's really remarkable how quickly they've turned around the offense because last year the offense was not good, uh, especially um, um, after like they traded Tommy Pham. Like that offense of the second half was rough, and and for it to be this good this quick is uh, is really just remarkable. You know, now is when you start to talk about, and I bring this up frequently with the Bengals, uh, you know, and, and the Reds aren't where the Bengals are yet, but they're they're certainly, you know, marching in that same direction uh, of where your roster gets to be so good. And now you really need to start making, um, you can't worry about feelings, hurt feelings and things like that. I mean, David Bell a couple of times has already pinch hit for Joey Votto. I don't know if Votto is upset about it. He's the kind of guy that will never say anything about it. He's a team first guy, um, you know, and people try to, uh, you know, do their Freudian interpretations of what happens to, to Votto's face when they show him after getting pinch hit for standing there in the dugout. That's above my pay scale. But what I'm getting at is whether it's pinch hitting for Votto, 
Or how much rope do you give De La Cruz against left-handed pitching? Now, I know you don't see a lot of left-handed pitching. But look, these are the kinds of things you have to start at least thinking about if you want to win games and get in the playoffs. Newman has done very well against left-handed pitching, right? And I mean, Newman's done a lot of good things for this team. I know there were people early in the year beating him up a little bit. I thought he was a rock-solid player with the Pirates, and he has been everything the Reds could have asked for, in my opinion. Not a perfect player, but a good, solid player, a contributing player to a winning team. Um, You know, little things like that, Nick, you know, I mean, how much rope you give out? Let's start with that. How much rope you give in De La Cruz against left-handed pitching? Well, Ellie De La Cruz is just a different player because of just how many ways he can impact the game. Uh, I think you keep running him out there every day. Maybe you strategically, Tom, try to get his off days against left-handed pitching as much as you can. Um, I, I do not think Ellie De La Cruz needs to play every single game the rest of the season. I think the Reds have to be very careful and mindful of they have a lot of players that have never played anywhere close to a 162-game season. So you don't want to wear them out. So use the depth that you have. The Reds have really incredible depth. Um, and, and like you said, I, I, I'm a big Kevin Newman fan too. I think he's the kind of player that a playoff team needs to have on their bench, a guy that you can bring in and uh, he can perform well. He, he performs very, very well against left-handed pitching, but he can also sit on the bench for four or five days, and it's not going to impact him. It's not going to be one of these things where he's like a, a guy that needs to get at bats per se, but like uh, like like Stuart Fairchild they just sent down, um, where, where he's going to need he's still young he still needs to 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 develop a little bit offensively and can't just sit on the bench for five days. So um, yeah, I mean I think that's just kind of how they have to approach this is just um, you know be mindful of uh, of of these players that 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 are are going through this grind for the first time and then just use that bench that is. Uh, one of the best benches I've ever seen uh, in Cincinnati. Yeah, so far, and they've played like it. They, if they're pinch hitting for somebody, you know, again, you talk about tweaks, Nick. And, 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 and you know, I'll get to thinking about this looking at their lineup. Now, India had a good game yesterday. He had three hits, hit two home runs. Okay, that's fine. But he's really been struggling. I mean, really, really been struggling. I, and I started to think of myself, and, and every fan likes to do this in every city. It's not just Cincinnati. And I really don't beat the drum on this much. But when it comes to tinkering with your lineup a little bit, you know, I see T.J. Friedel hitting down there in a the seven hole. And I'm saying to myself, you can make a case this guy's been the best hitter, him or Steer, uh, and McLean in a shorter, uh, fewer number of games. But – you know, when, when a guy like India or some anybody else could be anybody, but in this case, it's just India. Um, you know, I, I want to see Friedel get more at-bats. I, I don't want to miss an at-bat from Friedel, right, where he might get a fifth at-bat or a fourth at-bat instead of just three at-bats in a game. I, I mean, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I just uh, sounding crazy about that or no? I think in Friedel's case, he's only batting lower in the lineup against left-handed pitching. And, and Friedel's one of the rare rare birds. He's probably the only left-handed batter on this team that I think could actually be an above-average hitter against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, I agree. No, no, no disrespect to the other guys, but Friedel's just – he's proven that. He proved that in the minor leagues. I think Friedel batting lower in the lineup against left-handed pitching is more about guys like Kevin Newman and Nixon Zell that they have hit left-handed pitching very, very well, and you want to make sure they get some at-bats against that left-handed pitcher. Um, so, so you make it a little bit more difficult for the opposing manager where they have to face Kevin Newman maybe three times 
um, with their lefty, like Patrick Corbin on the mound. Um, I think it's more about those guys than necessarily about uh, a TJ Friedel um, um, himself. Okay, I want to ask you a little bit about Abbott because uh, it's been brought up in the chat, and and I was looking at this, in fact, the other day. You know, a, a big thing, uh, kind of, you know, Tom Verducci was a guy, I think, that was given credit at Sports Illustrated for writing this article a number of years ago. Um, with all the, the rash of Tommy John elbow injuries, they've come back in full force again this season in Major League Baseball. We've seen a ton of them. Uh, and teams not wanting to increase the number of innings in young pitchers from one year to the next year. And I bring up Andrew Abbott. In 2022, which was really his first extended year, okay, after he was drafted, uh, you know, he first came out, and he's, you know, at Virginia, and then he goes immediately to Dayton in 21, and, and, and because of when he signed in the College World Series, he was only around for a total of, what, uh, in 21, uh, 8, 9, 10 starts. Okay, so now comes 2022. He pitches a total in 2022, two teams, single A and double A, of 118 innings total. That's in 22. In 23, he pitches for three teams, right? Um, and so far, and so you get you go you go three teams. You go Chattanooga, Louisville, Cincinnati. Okay, uh, he's knocking on the door right now, right around 100 innings so far this season. Those three stops combined. Does that become an issue as this season goes on? I mean, you got you got basically an entire second half of the season to go. And what do they say? You, you want to increase like what, 10, 12, 15% from the year before? Is that right? I think 20% is, is about like okay, the max. Okay, they, okay, okay. All right. So that's going to become a factor, or is it? Yeah, I, I don't think Andrew Abbott, unless he got hurt, God forbid, would, would like make a playoff start for the Reds. I think they probably would shut him down before then. Um, I think probably with Abbott, their, their hope is that he can get you to Green and Lodolo. That that he can get you those guys back, and not just back, but those guys several starts in. I think I did the math on that. I think you're probably looking at mid September is when he'd hit hit that hit 150 innings, which I think would probably be about the max. I can't see the Reds going more than like 150, um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe the you know the Reds the, the Reds I think evaluate each of these players differently, and, and maybe they see something with Andrew Abbott. You know, they, they have so much into their performance enhancement. I know David Bell was talking on the pregame show the other day about how they've actually started uh, late arrivals to the ballpark and making when these players come in more efficient. Yeah. And, and like, that's a, a thing of pride for them. Yeah. Um, so I, maybe, you know, look, maybe they, they see something that Andrew Abbott and say, hey, you know, we don't think him going to 160, 170 would be all that big of a deal where maybe a guy like Nick Lodolo who's had injuries uh, would be a big deal. Um, but my, my gut tells me he's probably going to get shut down at 150, probably looking at, at, at mid-September if they're able to maybe skip a start here and there, um, and, and that's probably what we're looking at. Well, uh, I, I tell you, there would be I – mean, I hate even speculating on this, but there, there would be anarchy in this town if the Reds all of a sudden hit September and Abbott's still dealing and you're going to shut this guy down. I mean, there will be – 
And you see both sides. I mean, look, you understand both sides. You want the guy around for the long haul. Um, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, the, the All-star snubs. We're going to get into this uh, uh, throughout the rest of the show. I felt steer by far of all the Reds players, by far, was the biggest snub. You agree or disagree? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Matt McClain's, I think, only played 45 games. Yeah. So it's it's hard to realistically get all that mad about that. Um, I think Steer gets gets undervalued by a lot of of uh, metrics, um, like wins above replacement. I think he's only like at 1.9 by, by Fangraph's war. All right, I'm going interru- think- to interrupt you right there, okay? I'm going to interrupt you because I, I want you to walk through for people that have not bought into analytics and some of these statistics like war, okay? Walk, walk, walk somebody through the novice. And you don't have to get into all the numbers and all the things that necessarily make up determining war, wins above replacement. But, you know, look, the eye test would say to somebody, this dude's a freaking stud. He's just getting it done. I mean, every day we'll change positions. The guy's a gamer. He's a winner. He gets big hits. He's been productive all year long. What, what does war mean for Spencer Steer? Well, war in general would be calculating your, your offensive production, your defensive production, and your um, um, base running and trying to put that all into one statistic. Where Spencer Steer gets punished, and I don't think it's fair to him, is the defense. Because he's, he hasn't necessarily played good defense at any position. But the fact that he's played multiple positions and the Reds have been able to put him in different spots, I think makes him more valuable. And I think that's probably why his his wins above replacement calculation is not really a fair evaluation of him in, in himself. Um, because it doesn't calculate that you play different positions. And when you play first base, like he did, that actually... It's position adjusted. So a player that plays first base are, gets punished versus a player that plays shortstop because obviously uh, most players that play first base can't play shortstop. And so a shortstop's more valuable. So you're trying to calculate how many wins um, a player would bring to your team over a replacement level player, which is basically like a player you'd bring up from the minor leagues. Um, um, that that's just kind of your 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 average baseline player. So, but it's Mr. Steer's case. I think he kind of gets punished. Um, I do. Th- uh oh, we lost you. We lost him. We lost him. We lost him. What happened, Nick? I mean, what the hell's going on there? Did you unplug your mic? Did he unplug his mic? I, he's out again. Oh no! I don't know. We I mean we gotta can, have can, Nick because he's try, back on. Try it tonight. again, Nick. Try it again, Nick. Uh, no, no. I think I cut the cord. Oh, <laughs> keep going, uh, keep going, Nick. Keep saying stuff. How we doing? Go hey. ahead. Keep, try again. You back? My back? Yeah. You go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. The the cat actually got in my cord and uh, there you go. I used to tell my teachers that in school. <laughs> oh, we lost him again. The cat, the cat's back in there. We love animals here on the program, though, so we're not going to suggest anything bad with an animal no, here. No, correct. No, never, correct. never, never. All right. Uh, not- all right. You kind of <laughs> try it one more time here. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. 
So you were saying about uh, Steer. Yeah, so I, I just I think he kind of gets punished on some of the metrics. But I do think, though, this is kind of a blessing for the Reds uh, that, that these guys like Spencer Steer aren't going to the All-Star game. It's in Seattle. I think most of these guys could probably really use this rest. Uh, Spencer Steer's never played a 162-game season. So while it really stinks for, for a guy like him, you never know when he's going to get another opportunity to be an All-Star. I, yeah. hope that, I hope that he does. But, you know, we've seen players that – um, you know, Spencer Steer could end up just being a guy that maybe is like an 850 OPS the rest of his career, which is a really good player, but it's never really maybe enough to get him into an all-star game. Tom, I do have one thing for you, though. Yes. I don't like the way that we pick all-stars. I think that we should look at the last 365 days of players instead of looking at the first almost six weeks a lot of times by the time I think the ballots come out. I, I feel like a guy like Joey Votto really got punished on this because he had a lot of slow starts. I think he wasn't even an all-star in 2017, the year he finished second in MVP. Mm -hmm. So I, I wish that when Major League Baseball put out these all-star ballots, that they would put out the stats when they're, you know, when you're selecting the players that were over the last 365 days. So I think that'd be a way more uh, fair way to, uh, to evaluate the players. Well, I mean, I think that's a very interesting point. I've never heard that before, and, and, and I think there is certainly a lot of validity to that because, guys, you know, whether it's uh, a guy like Vado, who traditionally, uh, 17 wasn't the only year. I mean, traditionally, he was always very, a very slow starter to seasons in, in March and April and into May. Uh, and there are other guys that get hurt, and all of a sudden they come back, um, you know, and, and, and they, they're just tearing it up, but their stats don't compare to some guy who's played in – 75 games as opposed to 45 games. So, uh, you know, I think there's definitely validity to that. Um, it would prevent, you know, the flip side of that is if you were considering putting a guy, let's say, like McLean, who's only played in 45 games this year, obviously you would have nothing except minor league numbers to, to base that on for the following year. So, but I get what you're saying. And, and, I, and I think it's a valid point. I think it's a good idea. Um, but, you know... I, McLean's another guy, though. I mean, R.C. is a guy who, who, when he first came up, everybody thought he was going to be a really good player. And he's been a good player. There were some people who thought he was going to be a great player. He had his ups and downs in Milwaukee, but he was solid. I mean, he got in some issues with Craig Council there about hustling and all these kind of things. But he's gone to Atlanta, flourished. He deserves to go to the All-Star game. Uh, but, I mean, heck, McLean's numbers are almost as good as his. In 45 games. I mean, they're, they're significantly better, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's just it, – it's hard to really get too upset about a guy that's only played 45 games not getting selected. And, and again, very selfishly, I think it's actually for the Reds' benefit. So I, I'm not going to be be all that upset. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff does, I think, even itself out, Tom. I think in 2014 – uh, I think the Reds had four All-Stars, and I think they were, like, in fourth place or something like that. So there's going to be years where you're maybe not not as good of a team, but you have just a bunch of guys that put up All-Star numbers, and, and they'll kind of get in. So um, hopefully these guys do all get another opportunity down the line. That would be the only way it would kind of stink yeah. is if a guy like Steer never gets another opportunity. All right, the last thing I want to ask you about, uh, last two things. Uh, because, look, I've been banging this drum, Nick. I mean, you know, you, you haven't been with me on this. That's okay. That's okay. You haven't been with me on this, and it wouldn't be the first time. My wife is not with me on the overwhelming majority of topics that we discuss. So this is nothing new in my life. 
and especially with two teenage kids. Actually, our daughter just left being a teenager over the weekend uh, into 20. Um, but And that's just this proposition or this idea, Nick, of, of you got to go out and make a move. You can't wait around on the possibility of Lodolo. I mean, I've said from the beginning, I didn't believe what they said turned out to be true. Hunter Green, I still don't believe what they said. I mean, the guy was supposed to miss one start. He got backed up one start, seven days, then all of a sudden he makes a start, and then he's out. There is no way that, that, that they can go to August hoping for Williamson. I know they get Lively coming back, and he's been all right. But, you know, Williamson and Weaver and now Kennedy – I mean, they can't do it, Nick. They got to make a move and get somebody in here as a starter. Don't they? Come on. I, I agree. They need to get some starting pitch. I don't think they're going to do it till the deadline. Um, I don't think there's, I still don't think there's been a starting pitcher traded since the beginning of May in baseball. So I think any, any team right now, you're going to be significantly overpaying. And I just think that's a bad recipe for the Reds. Um, long term you do have thankfully the all-star break that's going to kind of help buy you a little bit of time um, next week um, and, and you can manipulate your your pitching rotation um, against Milwaukee in that second series um, I agree that I think assuming things continue to at least stay close to where they're at by the end of July if they need to make a move I don't think they should be looking to trade any significant prospects this year um, I, I stand on that. I think they need to stay the course with their, their plan that, that's been ahead of schedule. But I don't know why you wouldn't go out and try to get a veteran like a Lance Lynn. I've, I've mentioned a million times. Um, that's probably not going to cost you a lot in prospects. It's just going to be taking on salary. The Reds should be able to afford that. They've had significantly better gate attendance than I'm sure they were projecting this year. Yep, yep. Hopefully you could use that for a guy like Lance Lynn. Um, and, and I think they're going to need pitching even if Green and Lodolo do come back healthy. Um, because what's the the worst case scenario is everyone magically stays healthy. Well, you move Luke Weaver to the bullpen. You move Brandon Williams into the bullpen. Or you send him down to AAA for a couple starts and keep him stretched out and he can come back up when there is the next injury. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'd even Green and Lodolo changes any of the calculations in terms of their need for a start. Because I think they're going to need starting pitching one or two um, probably no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I love the art. And look, there are a lot of Jim Bowden detractors out there. But I have always said, and, and you get a grin on your face on that, and, I, and I'm being very sincere when I say this. There are a lot of people that, that don't like Bowden, uh, and there's some people that do. I always thought in the years when Marge Schott was spending some money, and make no mistake, there were a lot of years there where for uh, our size market, Marge was spending a lot of money. And... You know, then all of a sudden things changed literally overnight. But, you know, in, in 95, now they had some veteran players on that team in 95. But, I mean, they go out, you know, they, they, they hit the lottery with Pete Shurek coming back from injury. He was one of the top pitchers in the league. And I know we're going way back before a lot of people were even born. But when he went out and swung that deal and brought in, you know, he brings in Mark Portugal. He brings in David Wells. He brings in, I mean, you're, you are talking about monster deals here to try and get a team to not only get to the World Series, but to win the World Series. Now, it didn't work out that way because all of a sudden in 95, they couldn't hit in the LCS against Atlanta. But, but Bowden even made the, 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 in the Athletic over the weekend, he said, look, 
the, the, the Reds got what it takes here, and they're a couple of pitchers away from, from making it happen and shocking everybody in October. Um, if I'm Nick Crawl, I'd do it. I mean, I'd do it. Nobody can tell me that you're guaranteed, even with all these fleet of young stars, potentially, nobody can make me believe, because they can't, there's no slam dunk you're going to be in this spot next year or the year after or the year after. There's no guarantees. Why not go for it? Because you don't want to be on the other end of the Tyler Malley deal. You know, uh, Tyler Malley. It's one a- deal, Nick. It's one. I mean, it's one deal. You know, you, you don't have to give three guys away or two guys away. But you, you, could, you, could, you can piece together some action here and make something happen where you get a couple of guys. It may not be at the level of where David Wells was back in 95 or Portugal with the Giants back in 95. You may not get those kind of guys. But you can get some guys because if this team has guys that can go six and give up three, they are going to win a ton. We, we think, we hope, we also, we don't know how a lot of these players are going to react to late in the season. I think that that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm steadfast on not okay. doing anything to, to, to risk um, mortgaging the future for, for this year. I think what's happened this year has been great. I think the Reds have been insanely ahead of schedule. Um, I think there's so much talent in, in the Reds minor league system that the guys that we see now are just the, the beginning of that. And I think the Reds can't be making making mistakes. The Reds just they do not have the margin of error that teams like the Dodgers have, where they can give away Jordan Alvarez for Tony Watson and still recover from that. Yeah, if the Reds yeah. did that, they're screwed. You know, so I, I think overall they probably should should, should be staying the course. Um, I'm I'm a guy that I I I've watched a lot of bad baseball with the Reds. I don't want this to be the only year. I want this to be the beginning of a long stretch. And Certainly. The, the small market teams that have, have had success have been prospect hoarders. They very rarely trade away their prospects. Um, I think the Reds would be better off trading major league talent at the deadline for um, uh, for uh, uh, some additions. That All right, give me one the, name. Um, you give, give me a big name. One guy with a major league club right now that you'd say, okay, I'm willing to let this guy go to try to get a pitcher in here. Jonathan India. I okay. mean, I just, okay. I think he's, I think that's the kind of player that, that would be better to be looking at trading a guy that only has a couple years of control left. Um, you're trading him probably when he's closer to his peak value. Um, and, and, and you're not trading guys that, that you still have a whole six years of. Um, okay. So I think that's okay. the way. I don't know if Jonathan Nita, though, is necessarily going to bring back another major league caliber, but maybe you could swing two deals where you trade Jonathan India for some minor leaguers, and then you could trade some minor leaguers for a pitcher. I think that's the way maybe you would look at it. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm very firm and stay the course. I think that's the Reds' best path long term. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, Nick, we uh, thank you as always. You're on tonight, right? I mean, uh, Trace is, is traveling uh, around. Elliot, are you joining him tonight? My debut with Nick tonight. Wow. It's going to be just an hour and a half of uh, Jonathan India don't trade him talk. Right, Nick? <laughs> He's going to hit four home runs tonight. I, I guarantee it now. <laughs> That's always the best time to trade him after they hit four home runs in a game, yeah. right? Yeah. That should happen with Scooter Jeanette that yeah. night, right? Yeah. The next day, they trade him. Um, all right, Nick, uh, good luck with the show tonight. Thanks for the time of day, and we'll catch up soon.
Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. All right, Nick Kirby, kind enough to join us. Chatterbox Reds, that'll be coming your way after the game tonight. Look, it, 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 look, I'm the first guy to admit, I used to love driving home from the ballpark after I do games. And unfortunately, it got to be where there were so many commercials. Yeah. I mean, so many commercials. That by the time the game would be over, I would do the post-game hit on television uh, in the booth. I would then walk down the hall, get in an elevator, go down to the garage, get in my car, start driving. I would be in Marymount before extra innings started. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because I was really interested because I always thought that show was a very interesting going way back. Tracy used to do it. Doc Rogers for a long time. Rest his soul used to do it. Uh, there are some other guys through the years that have been good at it. But I used to love to hear what the fans thought about situations in the game or this player, whatever it might be. But my Lord, I mean, and I know they have to sell advertising. That's how they make it. That's their business. I get it. You were down there, Elliot. You worked there. You had probably hit all those buttons a million times, I right? I did, yep. Right? <laughs> Between the post-game wrap-up show, right, the scores and everything, and then, and then you get into the opening of uh, extra – if you're into the Reds and wondering what is going on and being able to really talk about it, I'm telling you, this Chatterbox Red show is the place to be. I mean, there's some crazy stuff that goes on, and Tracy goes off the reservation every now and again. Elliot might tonight. But um, it's real talk about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And fans are in the chat. It's clearly an incredibly popular show. So as soon as the game, I mean, even before it's over, you can tune in, Right. When do right. you guys normally crank that up? Ninth inning? Yeah, they, they, they normally watch the ninth inning right. together. And then they after the game's over, they, they, they take a short break, collect their thoughts, and then start the show off. And it's – I think one of the greatest parts about it is the chat. I think that is – No doubt. I think that's what makes Off the Bench great at times. I think that is what makes Chatterbox Reds is just the community that ensues because – of the chat just constantly engaging with one another. And then Trace and, and Kirby are not only entertaining, but they're incredibly educational. And it, it's, a, it's a great show. It truly is. Well, so, I mean, you know, look, that, uh, that, that, that is the place to go, really, if you want to hear what's going on with the Reds and be a part of what's going on with the whole chat. So just go to uh, YouTube, Chatterbox Sports. Uh, it's Chatterbox Reds. So if you're sitting there watching the game or listening to the game, whatever you're doing, uh, at the end of the eighth inning, jump on. They'd love to have you tonight. Elliot, his big debut. Um, all right, we're going to get back to that all-star snub thing in a second and a few other things going on, including Casey's guy, Joe Burrow, hanging with the stars <laughs> in the Hamptons. I love it. I mean, hanging with the stars. We got to get a couple of pictures of Joe that were up on Twitter there. Yeah. His all-white outfit. He's looking real nice. That's a long way real from nice. Athens, Ohio, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long ways from Athens, Ohio. But not so far away from Baton Rouge. Oh, that's real. <laughs> Believe me, it's it almost as far. <laughs> I mean, you, you, Baton Rouge isn't a hell of a lot different than Athens, Ohio. It's basically the same place. Athens is a nicer place, but as, as, as Jacob can attest. All right, Ham and Eggers, take it away. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Thank you, DT47 or 48, whichever whichever one DT's going to be. Um, Tom alluded to that we're going to be talking Joe Burrow. So 
We're going to be talking Bengals, and the Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data centers, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And yesterday, I had the pleasure of getting myself a nice bottle of Pawnee water, and it just keeps asking the question, why are you still drinking regular water? Alkaline water has been shown in clinical studies to have superior hydration benefits. So why are you doing it? And there's a new premium alkaline water out there. It's called Pawnee. It's made right across the street, natural limestone filtration. One ingredient goes in the bottle. That is water. It's the best stuff in the world. It's the best tasting water in the world. I'm going to have myself a nice Pawnee water tonight. It's supposed to be warm. So I'm going to hydrate with Pawnee. You can find out where you can get Pawnee at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. Once again, that's P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. And you can find out where you can buy the greatest tasting water in the world. Casey, happy 4th of July. You know, Tom's talking about the Hamptons. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Joe Burrow has spent time in Hocking Hills. And when you really get down to it, how can... How can the Hamptons be so far away from Hocking Hills, Ohio? They're pretty much the exact same place. You just put throw some water over in Hocking Hills. It's pretty much the exact same place. So I don't, I don't know what we're going to be talking about with Joe Burrow. Kirby brought up a great point about the All-Star game. One thing that I, I don't like about the All-Star game is that when you retroactively look at a player's career, you can say, oh, they made 12 All-Star games. Really, that's only a half-season award. I really think that the MLB should start pushing a, a post-season award, and, and by that I mean after the season, and saying like, hey, this was this you played in the All-Star game, but you were an All-Star after the season. I know they, they started doing like All-Pro and stuff like that. I really think that that should be more catered to when you look at a, a player's season retroactively. Um I'm just tired of saying, like, oh, Rafael Palmeiro only made four All-Star games. Oh, Joey Votto only made six All-Star games. Stuff like that. I, I, I just don't really care for it. But, Casey, how was your fourth? How was your weekend? Um, it, was, it was good. Um, like, I, like I said before, um, did the Taylor Swift concert thing on Saturday. Um, Sunday was a wedding. Um, Monday... Monday we did something, just me and Tomas and one of my other... Uh, groomsman that you you met at the wedding little uh, guys night yeah little, little guys little, night little guys night we did a byop bring your own pool pool so you brought a little bunch of little kiddie pools yeah we just filled them up sat in them drink some beer listen to the reds game if you want to hear the most hamiltucky thing that i've ever done is we've gone to a rural king here in town and they sell those water troughs those big water troughs and we uh, went over to my friend's house one time, and we all bought one of those water troughs, and we filled it up with water, and we just sat there, enjoyed the sun, and drank a lot of beer in those water troughs. I mean, that is the most Hamiltucky thing you've, you'll you'll hear from me, but it was a lot of fun. That was back when I was like 21 years old. So. See, now as a regular in uh, in Hamilton as a worker, I I'm offended by that Hamiltucky guy. <laughs> you should be, Tom. You should be. Well, now that you work here, you, I mean, you I've can, been here a solid year now, which makes me almost, not quite, common law. That's, yeah, right. That's right. It's right. common law. That's Thomas. right. It's like living with a woman for seven years. <laughs> right. right. You it's get there. common law now. If you work in Hamilton for 18 months, you, you can call it Hamiltucky. So you're almost there, Tom. You're almost there. Were you a little offended by that, Elliot? I was very offended. I'm the biggest <laughs> Hamilton fan there is here. And Reed's over there just, just destroying his hometown. Yeah. I don't get it at all. 
I'm, I have a lot of pride for this city. I truly Well, do. not based on what you just said. That's right. I mean, well, no, no, no. I want to get back to this a second because I asked you about this. For those that don't know, we're, we're in the chat. We have a lot of new people that continue to jump in on the chat uh, who maybe weren't here before. I said Hamiltucky one time. Yep. And you got all bent out of shape. Well, you know what? I had no problem with that at all. It was like a teaching Tom moment there, right? Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but, but here's the thing. I, I know you said, you know, you have to live here or now work here, common law, whatever it might be, to use that term. But, I mean, is that term, even among Hamiltonians, is that an offensive term? So Yes when, or no? When we hear people from outside of Hamilton saying it, correct, yes, because it, 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 it's, it's a shot, right? If someone, Why is it a shot? My understanding is... There were a lot of people, and there's a lot of industry and all this kind of thing going on up here, right? That a lot of people migrated up from Kentucky, good jobs, yep. affordable housing, good uh, cost of living, right. uh, a chance to earn a, a fair wage. Right. I mean, those are all very positive things, in my opinion. So what the hell's a big deal? So it normally is used in a context that is not of the best. You know, you, you, you see someone you know down on their luck here in hamilton you know someone from outside of the city driving maybe they're just in this hypothetical situation they're from mason which is a great a great area casey lives there it's a fantastic place they'll drive into hamilton and they'll you know see people that are down on their luck on on the streets and go oh that's just hamiltucky for you so there is no way to shed positive light on that statement right then and there we hamiltonians say it kind of you know jabbing at ourselves realizing that we have had a checkered past but there's a lot to be wait, proud wait, of. Wait, wait, stop. I'm going to continue to interrupt as you say some of these things, and please forgive me. What do you mean we've had our, what does that mean, our past? What are you referring to? So this town was built on uh, a couple of companies. Mosler Safe. Right. Um, Champion Paper and Fisher Body. All factories. Right. All went out. Because of the Great Recession back in 2008. They were kind of dwindling before them, but that really put a nick in it. And all of a sudden, these these um, companies that had once built this town, their big buildings had become dilapidated, had had torn down the people that made their living working at them. All of a sudden, couldn't afford mortgages. Right. You, know, you know how the I financial— know, I understand, right. right. That happens Actually, in a lot of places across the quote-unquote Midwest, Rust Belt, they call it. That's right. a bad Detroit, term. Detroit is the, the, the oh, model, man. right, the because worst. of the what worst. has happened yep. To, yep. to the automotive industry yep. up there. You know, the building that we currently work in used is, uh, was the Ohio Casualty Insurance Building, this, this building we're here right now. Um, they moved out of town back in, like, 2007, 2008, and this building sat vacant until they started remodeling it. Now it's great office space that we currently host this studio out of. But because Hamilton took such a hip in the, the Great Recession, y- you, saw a lot of, you saw a lot of bad things that, that came as a that came because of that. Okay. And now Hamilton is building itself back up. And it's, like I said, I'll keep saying it, there's a lot of pride here. People there's from, no doubt. People from Hamilton have a lot of pride from being from Hamilton. The old left-hander is from right here. Correct. Old left-hander. Doesn't get any better than that. Elliot, do you have any comments about any of that? <laughs> it's heaven on earth here, here in Hamilton. It's heaven on earth. <laughs> I, I just don't understand. I will never punch down on another person's hometown because I— Well, you just punch down on your own hometown. Because I'm from here. You can say bad things about your own family members because it's all tongue-in-cheek. Di- what is the difference? 
I mean, what is the difference if Elliot goes out of his way and he starts telling the truth on the show and he unloads, <laughs> and he unloads on Hamilton, all right? All right, Tom. What is the big deal? All right, Tom. It's, I'm, I'm saying you're, allow, you're, allowed, you're allowed to say it from your here. I, I, I'll give this. You, you make a lot of tongue-in-cheek comments about, about your bride, about, about your wife. You're like, ah, oh, we don't get along. You, you make all these jokes. All those are true. <laughs> All those are true. I, every single one of them. If 23 so years, I mean, believe me, <laughs> believe me. A lot of dislike begins. Go ahead. If someone that wasn't you made those same comments about your wife, you wouldn't take to it very kindly. If someone said, Tom, I don't think your wife likes you very much. I would be very comfortable with that. <laughs> Fair enough. I always make the comment I, that comfortable I can, is not I, the right word. I would look at them and say, well... Uh, you must know her pretty well. <laughs> I always make the comparison. I love my sister almost more than anybody in the world. She can she can be a little she can be a little grumpy sometimes. So I can I can oh, make boy. comments about my sister. But if someone else made comments about my sister, I would get pretty offended. Okay, that's like, fair. I, I feel that's like that's fair. fair. Okay, that's a good analogy. That's yes. a very good analogy. I was, by the way, uh, you know, my sister being my sister, she. Um, had two boys with a first husband. She'd been married to her second husband for mm -hmm. about 14 years now. And he had a uh, daughter. And so basically that girl, Grace, uh, has been raised by Your my sister, sister and yeah. her husband. Uh, all the way through, you know, elementary school, junior high school, high school. And um, that young lady last week, and I was gone last week because I went back to the Naval Academy in uh, Annapolis, Maryland. I had been there before. Our son had played in a number of lacrosse tournaments through the years in the summer, had made it a point to go down there and walk around the uh, Naval Academy campus. The town of Annapolis is just simply spectacular. Uh, Paul knows all about it. He's not here this week. But uh, I got to tell you, uh, you know, in this day and age where you're reading about all this stuff, this woke stuff going on in the military, you know, and you're saying to yourself, are you kidding me? They've got General Milley up there, and they're asking him about the government spending money to have drag shows on military bases and all this. And you're saying, w what's going on here? And I'm not sitting here one way or another. It's the military. The military is trained to go win wars and to protect the country. That is their job. And the people responsible for building those people. And look, you may not want to hear it. You're building them into killers. That's what you're doing. If they have to do it, you're building them into warriors where mentally, physically, emotionally, they can take it all. And they will fight to the bitter end to protect the Constitution, the borders of the United States and America, and places around the world and protect other people who don't have people that are able to protect themselves. That's their job. So when you read about all this other stuff going on, you're going, what in the hell is going on here? But when you go to the induction at the Naval Academy for 1,100 kids that are going in there, 99% of them coming right out of high school, they apply like you do at normal university, and you're going into the When you stand there and there are moms and dads, brothers and sisters, girlfriends, boyfriends, grandparents, and you stand there and there are this beautiful beautiful building in the middle of the campus a bunch of stairs that go up i mean it's majestic it's strong it's powerful and then you hear the generals getting up there and talking about these kids coming in and what it means 
and what, what, what it means, what they're getting ready to embark on, and when they're getting ready to do, that is the military. That is the United States of America. That was an absolutely extraordinary place to be, to see, to hear, to watch, and the commitment that these young people are making in their lives for the betterment of this country, and quite frankly, for the betterment of people in some cases all over the world. It was absolutely amazing to be a part of it. Uh, and, the, and the whole way they do it, I mean, it's fascinating. So um, she was staying with us. My sister and her husband had rented this Airbnb house, right? So my dad and his wife had flown back from uh, Europe to be there. Uh, Polly and I and our two kids were there. My sister and her two boys are there. Her husband is there, right? Uh, and, and Grace, the young lady who's going in, Grace Cook, who's going into the Naval Academy. So she's around us for the first two or three days leading up to all this. And there are different appointments because she's going to play on the lacrosse team there. There are different things that he has to go to as a parent, as, um, as uh, you know, the, the parent of a, not only a, a student in the, in the Naval Academy, but also as a, an athlete because they play Division I sports here, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's not yeah, like yeah, some, yeah. you know. So, but it was unreal. So we have dinner with her the night before the uh, induction. The next morning, she had to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning. So they send them there, and they send all this stuff out on social media, the, the Naval Academy does. Of the, the kids come in in the morning, so now they're getting them in their uniforms. They give them literally everything. You walk in with nothing more than a book bag. You're not walking in with your underwear. You're not walking in, in her case, with cosmetics. You're not walking in with, like, you know, right? Mm -hmm. They give you your underwear. They give you your workout clothing. They give you your uniforms. They give you your shoes. They give you everything, right? And you're there all day long leading up to this ceremony. They teach you immediately how to get in formations about marching. And, I mean, they're already, they, they are all over your case like nobody's business. And they release a lot of that stuff on social media, not the heavyweight stuff, but, you know, just kind of like, hey, th this is what it's going to be like. And, and so... You show up, they do the ceremony where they come marching in, they swear their oath to the United States of America and protecting the Constitution and the borders and so on and so forth. Then they're allowed to have a final 45 minutes with their families who are there. And it's on this big, huge, sprawling, open uh, 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 grounds right there uh, in the middle of the Naval Academy. Um, and so, you know, here my brother-in-law... Uh, has raised his only child, daughter. She is going to be walking into the Naval Academy for the next four years, and then you owe them five years after. Because you go to the Military Academy, it's for free. You don't pay like, like I'm paying at TCU or Indiana, mm -hmm. right? You go for free. But in return, you serve, you walk out after four years, you're a uh, commissioned officer, uh, you get a list of five places you'd like to pick to be sent to after you get out. Um, I think they said 80, 83% get their first choice. 90% get either their first or second choice, right? Um, and you, you owe them five years. And what they do is, I mean, it, it is like something out of, it really is like something out of a movie. So after the 45 minutes that they can have with their families right there on the grounds where they were sworn in, 
right? They all get back in formation. They make one final march through this big open area and then up these stairs to this building. And then what they do is they have these two guys. These doors are as wide as, as this room. One door, one door. Mm -hmm. They march all through there. And at the same time in unison, these doors just make this thunderous. Wham! They close the doors. And the symbolism there of now all of a sudden, these guys belong to us. You can have zero contact with your kid for the next five weeks. None. They take your phones. There's no nothing. No text. No emails. No phone calls. No nothing. And they get them going, I mean, right now. They get finished there. They told us they would go to dinner immediately after that ceremony. And then the next morning, 5A, here we go. They'll let you actually come out and watch them in this field where they start to their, their, their physical training. Mm -hmm. If you want to go watch them one last time at 5A. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. amazing place. So I wish her well, thinking about her and all the others that are uh, giving, their, giving themselves to the United States of America. Casey, tell me about your boy Joe Burrow. You got any pictures of Uncle Joe? I can pull up Hanging out with the, uh, with the wine and cheese crowd up there in uh, the Hamptons? <laughs> I can pull up some pictures here, Tom. Just give me one second. I uh, have them in the wings here because as soon as I add it, it might start making our audio crack. So just give me a second. Okay, well, I want this. you to try to pull that up. Yeah. Here, here's. I one mean, photo. you talk about some of the stars that were there now. Oh, yeah. now uh, uh, Jacob or Elliot, somebody help me with Ruben. Uh, he's the CEO of Fanatics. Uh, I don't believe he has any association with a professional sports team anymore but he used to have some ownership in the 76ers. So he knows all these guys from Fanatics deals with, you know, signed goods and stuff like that. And so he has this party in the Hamptons. Now you talk about the very, very quintessential, what's the word I'm looking for? Ground zero of the liberal elites. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is it right here. Absolutely. And look at, look at Joe. What's wrong with Joe? That's my quarterback. Look at him. Reed Mouse, any thoughts on this? He looks great, Tom. I don't know. I don't, I, Tom, I don't like what's the problem? Like what's the problem? He's I, a young I, I kid. I just got to tell you. I, 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 He's a young kid. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look. Are we sure that's not Jack Harlow? <laughs> Jack Harlow. <laughs> Does that look like a guy from Athens, Ohio to you? Oh. He hasn't looked like a guy from Athens, Ohio in about three years. Those hey, you know the... what? He's young. I think he's single, right? He's Does got he a have girlfriend. He's, he's, not, he's, he's got not single. Long-term girlfriend. Long-term girl. Okay. Well, he, he's young and he's hanging out. Um, you know what? Good for him. He's rubbing shoulders with the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom. Tom Brady. I didn't see I mean, any pictures of Patrick Mahomes out there, so he obviously didn't Thank you invite. very much. Thank oh. you very much. I was going thank a different way. Tom, I'm going a different way with that. Patrick Mahomes didn't get the invite. No he, one wants to hang out with him. He's Joe Burrow's cool way cooler. Yeah, he's Patrick not Mahomes cool just has football. Burrow's Tom, way fellas, cooler. Fellas, Tom, it's about fellas, being you cool. Can be you can be homers, but come on. It's about being cool. Give me Burrow off the field 10 times out of 10. It's clear. Oh, no doubt about that. I would agree with you 100%. 
But I mean, let me ask you this now, in, in, in all sincerity, if there was only one invite left, only one, okay, and you knew both of them could come and wanted to come and be a part of it, but you could only have one more person, some fire code up there in the Hamptons, right? Or at least there is for the rest of the people, not for these people. Um, who's getting the invitation, Mahomes or Burrow? Come Burrow. on now. All Come on now, know. fella. I no, it's that's not what I'm asking you. <laughs> if there's one invitation, of course, uh, Casey's going to say Geno Smith. Casey catching strays. If there's one invitation that has to go out, okay, and you're Ruben, right, what's his first name, Michael? Michael, Michael okay, Ruben. Okay, if you're Michael Ruben, uh, who I'm sure is a really good dude. I mean, you know, look, I have no doubt about that. Um, and it's Mahomes or Burrow. Mahomes is getting that invite. You know it, Elliot. I know it, but there are some – Mahomes associates himself with people that a lot of other people don't like. So yeah, I think, you know, true. there's I, – I think uh, – I, I don't know if Mahomes is the most popular cat. You know what I think this says? I think I think this says that Mahomes might have some character issues, Tom. He didn't get an invite. <laughs> he has no character He didn't get an invite, but Joe on, give did. give me a like, break. This guy's never done anything off the field that's out of line ever. Come on. But a lot of his, a lot of the people he surrounds himself well, with. Well, no, that's a different ballgame. Is his brother? Is his brother uh, going to jail? Like, whatever happened with that? I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure he's in jail. I'm yeah, yeah, I don't I know. think he's in jail. And his wife? I don't think he's still I, in I'm jail. I'm almost positive. Yeah. Brittany ain't no better. <laughs> who's, who's Brittany? Spraying that champagne out of the, the box. Mahomes. Brittany <laughs> Mahomes, his wife. What about her? She's she's just as bad. She gets she's, a bad she, rap. She's just as bad as who? People, people yeah. don't as Jackson. Together, they're like the, the most insufferable duo together. Well, that's not going to happen. See, it's nice year. that I have some people in the <laughs> chat that are with me, okay? This, there are some people in the chat that are with me, okay? Starting with USA Veteran, who, by the way, we were talking about the military uh, a little while ago. I mean, he was in basic training down in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, uh, Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, two tours in Kuwait. So, this is my kind of guy. It's my kind of guy. Should be your kind of guy, too. Um, but, you know, he says to me in our chat, he says, it is nice to see the liberal elite celebrating the 4th of July. Let's start with that. It's true. So, that's true. He said, although I never saw a U.S. flag in any of those pictures. He says, nothing against Burrow. He says, I love the guy. But how about winning a Super Bowl first? The only other quarterback I saw that's played in an NFL game, I can't believe C.J. Stroud was there too, right? Yep. Yeah. I saw a picture of him. But, uh, and then a couple of other people jump in. A couple other people jump in. Derby Stardom says Burrow needs to concentrate on winning Super Bowls. To be fair. Oh, come on, guys. He can't win a Super Bowl on July 4th. Yeah. You go to right. the what was he July doing 4th? in July 4th? Every single quarterback in the United States, from high school, college, the NFL, celebrated on July 4th. Come on. There's not one guy that went out and they might have had a morning training, which I bet you Joe Burrow had a morning run. Probably did. I wouldn't be surprised. Drew Garrison makes a great point. You should win a Super Bowl before ever having any fun. And I, I agree with him there. Is, yeah, 100%. Is Joe Burrow the first <laughs> Cincinnati Bengal that Kim Kardashian has ever heard of? Because Kim Kardashian's there. Like, oh, if, oh, if we sat... Oh, she was there? She was there. She Kim was Kardashian there. was there. So is is that the first Bengal that Kim Kardashian has ever heard of? 
Like, if we sat Kim Kardashian down in this room and said... No, I bet you she, she's a name, sports fan, I think. Her, name Cincinnati Bengals. She would maybe even ask, who are the Cincinnati no, Bengals? I don't, you know what? I don't ever watch her show or any of that nonsense, but I did, I did meet her one time, believe it or not. Did you? Yeah, she used to date many, many years ago Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. and, uh, and I had a couple of weeks here where I was doing New Orleans Saints games, and she was in the, um, she was in the, the, the skybox right next to our booth. And so walking out, had a chance to say hello to her once. Very, very pleasant. I guarantee you, she knows. She knows who the Cincinnati Bengals are. I, I don't know, Tom. Do you think she could name a current Cincinnati Red? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no chance. Although I'm not, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, it's just... Bring up a good point. When uh, when her and Kanye West broke up, there was odds on sports books given out about who her next boyfriend would be, and one of the top odds getters was Chris Evans, the third string running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. Really? Apparently, yeah. they have some common friends from his time at Michigan. Yeah, it was like it was like the fifth best odds was Chris Evans, the third string running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. It said okay. Chris Evans in parentheses, Bengals, not yeah. Captain America. Right. It was <laughs> very specific. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, it looked like he had a great time. I mean, we're all having a little fun here. I mean, you know, but he because he, you know, he, he he's always drip, Casey. Oh yeah. He's right? always no no. He's always got the drip he's on. He really does. I mean, he's got the drip going. There's no doubt. And and apparently everybody had to wear white to that party. Yeah, he does it every year. Is I don't know if it's always Fourth of July, but he always has a party in the summer where everyone wears white. Got you. Okay. Well, good for Joe. I'm glad he got a chance to go there. I mean, serious. I mean, he's young. Uh, you know, these opportunities come around. I'm not going to. Guy like him, it's not going to be once in a lifetime. But look, go have fun, enjoy yourself. Uh, everybody has complete faith in Burrow. Uh, but but look, make no mistake. And people around here, it's just like early in the year, you know. There are just some things that people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear it because they get, they get, they get this stuff in fandom. Burrow's got to win a Super Bowl soon. He's got to win a Super Bowl soon. Because then all the stuff starts about, can you win the big one? Can you win the big one? My man, Zim, I was texting him over the weekend. He puts up those stats in head-to-head meetings against Burrow and Mahomes. Who cares? Who cares? Mahomes, I mean, Burrow has better stats? Who cares? Tom, he's only Who cares? He's only Except for people who walk around wanting to call it Burrowhead Stadium. What have you done for me lately? The last time they played, Kansas City (laughs) won the game. And then they happened to win the Super Bowl. So I don't want to know about stats. This is such a terrible take, Tom. He's only had two oh, I'm years. With Tom oh, I'm my with Tom God. Terrible sure. take. Pat Mahomes has won two Super Bowls. He's played in three over the last four years. <laughs> and we're having conversations about head-to-head stats. Two of the games are regular season games. Who cares? Tom Spin. Good, I mean, I don't, I don't care about the stats, but to, to say that Joe Burrow needs to win a Super Bowl. He does. Bowl he does. Soon. I'm He's telling only you. He's had two times to even compete for, and both times he made it to a, a Super Bowl, beating Mahomes, and then lost in a very, very close game in the AFC Championship game with shambles to work with. 
Didn't have Tyler Boyd. Didn't have three of his starting offensive linemen. Let's Casey, let me ask you a not question. Paint let me this ask you a question. Like no, okay. Here's the question I'm going to ask you, okay? I'm being very sincere culture. about this question because most people feel like the greatest quarterback to ever play in the history of the NFL to never win a Super Bowl was Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. He played in one Super Bowl. When he left the NFL, you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. Marino was the all-time leader in virtually every passing yep. category there was. Correct. Right? Yep. right. Touchdowns, passing yards, yep. com- right? All this. Up. I mean, he was the guy. I mean, his numbers were insane. Won the MVP a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy was, he was all freaking world for a decade, okay? Does, could anybody outside of Miami, because I can guarantee you this happened. I mean, I don't know it, but I would, I would bet on it, okay? I can guarantee you, you could walk through Dan Marino's career and you could say, well, you know, in 1983, he didn't have this guy, this guy, that guy. In 1985, he didn't have that guy, that guy. 1988, well, that guy got hurt and then that guy came out. 1991, whatever it is. The things you were just talking about, all true. All true. In 10 years from now, if, and, and believe me, I am rooting for Burrow to win a Super Bowl as much as anybody else, okay? In 10 years from now, nobody cares about no Tyler Boyd in the second half and three offensive linemen that got hurt. Nobody cares. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree with you on that. But to sit here and act like he's not that guy with a small sample size. I never said that. Tom, that's what you're saying. Let me let me specify this. Tom is absolutely right, Casey, in proposing the hypothetical that if Joe Burrow does not win a Super Bowl in max two years' times, there will be national arguments, there will be local arguments about can he do it? Can he win the big one? Whether that is a justified argument or not. He's got two-year max to do it, or else we're going to be having those conversations. That is 100% yeah, going to happen. Yeah, but he's having that argument right now. No, he's saying that, no, he's saying he's no, got to no, do. He's got to do it soon. He said he said if he does not win one soon, that's right. They will have those and those questions right, that we'll he's propose. saying. So will that is start. what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. Those questions will. He does start. not win one soon, and they, they would be fair questions. Correct. I wouldn't disagree with that, but to sit here and say that right now is not not a fair argument. Not a fair argument. He's only had two years to even try to compete for a Super Bowl. No one's no one's no, having no those one's arguments. Saying, no, no one's yeah. debating that. Yeah. yeah, we're just saying in two years, if he doesn't do it with, I would say max two years. They might be he's having those conversations that. this year, but max two years. If if the Bengals don't win a Super Bowl, those questions will be. Proposed. They are going to. You can take it to the bank. That's right. the world we live in now. That is the world we live in. And 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 look, it doesn't mean that Burrow can do it all by himself. I am Burrow's number one fan. I love the guy. Except I mean, when he goes to the Hamptons. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but no. Uh, I love the guy. And I think, he's, I think he's the best quarterback next to Mahomes in the league. But, I mean, you know, you, you talk about all the offensive linemen, like with the Bengals that were hurt last year. We know that. What about Mahomes and his ankle last year? No wide receivers. Last time I checked, he was pretty beat up. No wide receivers either. Last time I checked, the guy was pretty beat up. Here's where you're losing me, I guess. I I agree with what you guys are saying. I already think he's that guy. You guys don't think that yet. 
he is that guy that can win a Super Bowl. And he's shown you plenty already. So that we all out. agree he can win a Super Bowl. So then why are we having this argument? Because the point is, is I'm saying, us. if he <laughs> yeah. doesn't win one in the next couple of years, then this Casey, come on. Take off, take off the glasses. This isn't even a crazy take. It, it's not even remotely a crazy take at all. Marino went to the Super Bowl, I think, his second year in the league. And everybody said, well, he's going to get back there. And he put up numbers that, that are, quite honestly, are going to be better than Burrow's numbers. I mean, for the, for, I mean, you know, Marino's numbers are going to be hard for anybody to beat. It took Drew Brees forever to be, and then Brady after he's him. He's still up there in passing yards yeah, in the I games. Mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 uh, it would take one of the top. Of course, it's a different league now. Um, but a lot more throwing the ball. But the point I'm making is, this would happen to anybody. It's going to happen with Herbert, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to happen with Jalen Hurts. Well, mm-hmm. no, no, yeah, because he didn't win last year. It's going to happen with all of these other guys. He's great. It's going to happen with Josh Allen. Correct. Right? It's going to happen with all of these guys that are enormously talented. They're playing Herbert not so much, but certainly it looks like Hurts is going to be on a good team for a long time to come. Burrow's going to be on a very good team for, for many years to come. Uh, it looks like uh, Allen has a chance to be on a good team for many years to come. And people are going to say, once you get to your fourth or your fifth or your sixth year in the league, and you're playing on really good teams, and you're a big reason why they're getting to the playoffs every year, it will be a natural progression and evolution of the world that we live in today where people will say, is this guy going to win the big game? Not can he win the big game. We all believe that he can. Yes, no Everyone doubt. in this room believes that Joe Burrow is talented enough, is a leader enough, yes. has all the intangibles to lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl and win it. We've seen him get to the Super Bowl and win it. We're just saying that if he doesn't do it in two years, those conversations are going to be very heavily taking place. Is Can Joe Burrow do it? Can Joe Burrow win the big one? Because that is the world that we live in and the media that, that – transpires that's the media that we get into every day with this show talk radio that's what they're going to be talking about that's right okay but so then here's the question tom if he does not win a super bowl in the next two years are you going to actually doubt him because if you're going to sit there and doubt him in the next two years i have problems with that that's where you lose me i gotta wait and see how the next two years right it depends on how i mean i gotta wait and see how they go i I mean if he goes out there and puts up numbers like he did last year Okay, but, you know, and, and, and I really get bothered by some people here in the, I mean, I got to tell you, I really get bothered by people here in the chat saying this is Joe Burrow slander. That, that, it's nonsense. There's no Joe Burrow slander in anywhere here. We are talking more about the world we live in and the press and the fandom and everything else that we live in now, more than we're talking about Joe Burrow. You just said it, Reed. We all agree. The guy's a phenomenal player. Correct. W- would want him to be my quarterback all day, every day, going to war against anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. Period. He's the man. Love the guy. Love what he's all about. Leader, gamer, tough. But you asked me the question, yeah. and I'll answer it this way. If they go through two more years, like the things that have happened, you can give me every excuse in the book. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. If they go through the next two years, the Super Bowl, the offense, all they needed was a field goal to win a game in a second half. 
they couldn't get it. They couldn't even get a first down that would have given them a chance to, to, to pretty much seal the game and not give the ball back to well, that, the Rams. Wait, 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 let me finish. That, that's the bottom line. I don't want to hear about the other nonsense, why it happened. I'm just saying it happened. Last year, the offense, all it needed was one field goal. It had six offensive drives to kick a field goal. Now, if that happens again the next two years in a playoff game, you're damn right there'll be questions about it. Yeah, but the key word you said there was Bengals. You never mentioned Burrow. Can he win the Super Bowl? It would be it would be a question. Can the Bengals win the Super Bowl? It is well. That's been is, asked since well, nineteen sixty eight. It is the easiest thing to to say that Burrow can't win one when it's actually a team that can't win it, right? Well, that's all that matters. But, Burrow yeah, can't win but a Super Burrow, Bowl. Yeah, but Burrow can himself win a Super Bowl. Yes. Well, if he does, yes, he right now. Win. I don't care. I don't care for the next fifteen years if he doesn't win one. He could have won one. For sure. And he well, probably well, no, will. Well, hold on, hold on. Can, can so, I, let me get this straight. You just said in the same <laughs> sentence, if I just heard you right, did you just say, I'm not going to be upset that he didn't win one because I know he could have won? Did you just say that? Yeah. If, it, if, it, if, the same, if the same circumstances happen where his offensive line's in tathers, he doesn't have some of his star offensive, offensive weapons – I'm not going to be upset with Burrow. I'm going to be upset with the team. That's I'm, fair that, those are circumstances that he can't overcome. Why are we having this conversation that well, Burrow he, can't win a Super Bowl win? Nobody it, said he, the, can't, he can't. You can't keep but you saying just, that. You just said in two years' time, if, if he does he not doesn't. win one, you would be questioning whether Burrow could do it or not. We're saying the questions are going to be asked. We're saying the questions are, are going, going to be, be asked. asked. I'm not going to say in two years from now when Burrow's 27 then you years didn't old that he my can't win a Super Bowl. Then. then you didn't answer my question then. Will you doubt him in the next two years if he does I not win I didn't answer one? your question. And depends what was that answer? I did on the answer your question. Depends it depends on how the next two years play out. Then that's If all of a sudden, let's just take for example. Let's take for example, okay? I just mentioned what happened the last two years. One of the Super Bowl one in the AFC championship game, okay? And again, there, there are a litany of other reasons. You're right. It's a team game. But let's just say hypothetically, they get in the AFC championship game next year, okay? And they're going down the field, and all they need to do is kick a, kick a field goal. Second and five at the Kansas City 38. He throws a pick. Okay, you get beat. Let's say the next year, you get to the second round of the playoffs, right? They're going down the field. They're down six. They need a touchdown. They got three minutes to go, right? He throws a pick. Other team wins a game. You don't think it would be fair for people to ask the question, what's going on here? No. It doesn't not, mean that's... they still don't believe he's capable of winning it. But what we're, I think you're getting confused, and maybe it's my fault. I think you're getting confused on the question we are asking here or the point we're making here. And everybody in the room agrees that if the Bengals don't win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years with this talent that they have, there will be people, a lot of them, that in training camp will be asking the question or just having conversations on shows like this one or all the way up to the level of the Cal Colin Cowherds of the world, right? We're higher. They'll camp. be asking that question. Can, can Joe Burrow and the Bengals win the big one? Right? Correct. Right. I, I, and Casey, I think, you know, the Bengals have had a quarterback in the past that couldn't win in the postseason, and that is Andy Dalton, right? 
So I think there are questions. At some point, you know, you give Burrow all the credit for a win, but you can't blame the team when they lose. The team doesn't get all the loss when they lose. At some point, it is Joe Burrow. At some point, it has to be. Because Andy Dalton couldn't do it. It was Andy Dalton. It wasn't all Andy Dalton, but there was a, cert, a, a large part of it that was Andy Dalton. Joe Burrow does get some blame if he's unable to win in the postseason. And I'm not, I'm not against Which he has, by the way, he has won in the postseason. Nobody's arguing that. Nobody is arguing that he hasn't won in the postseason, he has. And that's, that's not what I'm arguing here, guys. I am just, there's one question I want answered, and it's if, yes or no, there's going to be serious concerns if Joe Burrow does not win a Super Bowl in the next two years. If the next and two the, years the, and the, the, the question has been, year, yes. The, ne- the question has been met with, well, we just got to see and wait for the hypothetical. And I, I'm, I don't care about whatever he does in the next two years. That's what I'm getting at. I do not care if he throws two interceptions. He will be able to win one. Let's, I think he's done enough to show you that he can win one. That's what I'm arguing. If the last two years end like last year did, yes, there is worries. Okay, let's stop spinning our tires in the mud because I think we are, one, all on the same page. Whether we are arguing or not, I think we're all on the same page here by saying all these things we agree with. One, at this current moment, we all believe that Joe Burrow can win a Super Bowl. Two, we all agree that in two years, if the Bengals do not win a Super Bowl, people will be asking, can Joe Burrow do it? And then third and finally, we personally will not be asking those questions unless we see how the next two years shake out. So we are all those three arguments that we are talking about, we are all on the same page on. We are just spitting tires in the mud right now. Derby stardom, you, you couldn't be more wrong. This has nothing to do with him going to a party. We were just talking at the very beginning. Nobody is drawing any sort of connection to going to a party on the 4th of July and winning a Super Bowl. Come on. Come on. Derby stardom, I mean, good Lord. I just said a second ago, and, and you two, who else was in this? Yeah. I mean, come on. That's not, I, 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 didn't I read you are the voice of reason? I, as, I, as people Help often me say. Here. Help me here. Did I not say Joe Burrow should, as a young man, be going to stuff like this when he gets a chance to go do it? Correct. I was you making a little bit more fun of just being in the Hamptons. Right. But I have no, in fact, I would highly endorse that when you get the chance as a young man on things like this, or as an old man like Tom Brady, mm-hmm. go show up. Tom, as a man who has spent a lot of time in Athens, Ohio, Amen. as a man from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, would you rather spend the 4th of July in Hamptons or Hocking Hills? But much more so Hocking Hills. Damn right. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> what, what do we got on the screen? All right, Tom. So last week when you were gone to, to fill time, there's okay. been this new trend on Twitter. Um, this is called an immaculate grid. And what it is, as you can see, there's grids going upwards and sideways where you've got to name a player that has played for, in this instance, the Chicago Cubs and the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. So we've been doing this every day as a, a fun game. I like this game. Yeah. The, so, Tom, we'll, we will pass it off to you. The goal is to get the most obscure players possible. Okay. Correct. Orioles and Cubs, Jake Arrieta. You said Jake Arrieta. All right. Jake. Oh, 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 oh. I feel Jake. like Arrieta. A-R-R-I-E-T-A. Yeah, right there. Right there. Select him. We got 23%. Another player that would have fit there? Rafael Palmeiro. Honorable mention for Sammy Sosa since he's in our chat. Slamming Sammy Sosa also played there. That's a good one. Okay, let's go. Which which grid do you want to go with next, Tom? Oh, boy. 
let's see here. I'm not very good at this kind of game, I can tell you. I mean, I came up with Arietta. I don't know what made me. I okay. guess I always never I, liked that I, guy. I, let's go Cubs, Cincinnati. Cubs-Mets. Um, I got a great one for that one. The purveyor of my nightmares because of the 2015 NLCS. Go ahead, oh, Cubs-Mets. Oh, 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 oh. Daniel Murphy. That's who okay. I was going to guess. Yeah, Daniel Murphy. I was going to go Who's for Who's back, by the way, playing for the same team no. where Brett Kennedy was playing. You see the story? Oh, really? Daniel Murphy is playing right? for the same independent league team yes. where Brett Kennedy was really? playing. Wow. Trying to make his comeback from all the devastating injuries. Man, that guy could hit. Go ahead. We can I was going to say, by the way, Albert Almora for uh, Cubs-Mets. Legend. Okay, yeah. I've got one for Orioles-Guardians uh, up top. Yeah. It's Reed's guy. How about Rich Hill? Rich Hill. Oh, wow. I do like Rich Hill. The 50-year-old One pitcher. percenter. Good one. Wow. If you want to talk about 50-year-old pitchers, if we're going to go Cubs, uh, Mariners, I believe he was on the same trade as Rafael Palmero. Jamie Moyer. Jamie? Yes. Yeah. Jamie that was Moyer. a good one. You also had uh, – uh, who was the guy that was the um, – Oh, my I, gosh. Um, um, well, the guy who pitched Moore. for every team in baseball. He was one of my favorite dudes I ever met. Edwin Jackson? Mike Morgan. Oh. <laughs> Love Mike Morgan. So what's funny, Tom, is you can uh, – I believe Edwin Jackson, remember him, has been a correct answer on this grid for like oh, I'm not 70 straight right, grids, right. which he would have been on this one as well. Right. I've got one for Mets uh, Guardians. Okay. He is a red. He is an outfielder. He batted left-handed. How about Jay Bruce? Jay Bruce. How about Jay Bruce? That's a solid one. It's a solid one. Guardians, Mariners. I mean, do we want to just knock out the 300 batters? Yeah, Tom uh, can get this one. Mariners, A-Rod. Yeah, A-Rod, Edgar Martinez, Ichiro Suzuki. Wait a minute, well, what's the third one over there? 300 average yeah. in a season. Yep. Oh, okay. So he played for just the Mariners? Yes. Okay, well, you could put Daniel Murphy in there with the Mets too, right? Right. Same if guy. You can, you Mike Piazza, right? Go ahead and put uh Piazza would be probably who do we think one. is who do we think is gonna get the lowest for the Mariners? We've got three correct answers. A Rod, Ichiro Suzuki, Ichiro will be the highest. Edgar Martinez. Ooh. Either Martinez or A Rod. I'm gonna say Ichiro. Go, I think Edgar Martinez is going to get the lowest percentage. Put Edgar. Oh, the lowest percentage. Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. okay. You're trying to get the lowest With rarity score. Edgar like oh, okay. All right. E or G. Put E D G. A R. Yep. Martinez. Yep. That's that's guy. Fourteen percent. All right. A Rod was six. Ooh, A Rod was lower. Really. I've got one for Mets. Three hundred season. Go ahead. Robinson Cano. Robinson, oh. don't you know, Robinson Cano uses <laughs> PEDs. We could have used friend of the program, Keith Hernandez. 0.8%. That's that. only 0.8% for Robinson Cano. Right, I feel like people are going to lean more yeah, like Keith. David Wright yeah. or... Yeah, anyone. Um, Orioles, 300 season. Reds legend. Frank Robinson? Frank Robinson. He certainly would have done it. Eddie, Eddie Murray would have would have... Also been there. Go go and put Frank Robinson in there. Go ahead. Well, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> Michael Rubin's calling you for the next party, Tom. He is. He is. All right. We need one more. We need a Guardian Mariner. I've got one, but I feel really bad about using. I'm really good with the former Reds. Go ahead. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure Yonder Alonso played for both. I think that's right. I think Yonder Alonso played 
for both. Nick Kirby's real upset we didn't use Nick Markakis for Orioles 300 average. Yonder Alonzo ha- cannot be 1% more or more. Yonder. Y- why? Y-O-N. It's like wonder, but with a Y. Will he have a picture? Alonzo, right there. AJ no, no points out that uh, Tracy oh, Jones played for a number of the 70. Oh, yeah, we could have used Tracy Jones. Oh, man, I'm, I feel bad. Tracy That's Jones would have been a 0 0 0 That's a missed opportunity. That is a missed opportunity. We'll get on. Good little good little score, guys. 79. What a good score. So is that a record so far, 79? 72 is our record. 72, 72. okay. It's golf, to Tom. You want to get as low of a score as possible. Okay. It's going to be hard to beat. So are we doing this regularly now, or are we just doing it every now and again? What are we doing? They update the grid every day. So they we do can it every do it day. whenever we want. So uh, it's fun little. It's huh. fun to do. That is a good game. Yeah, nice and fun. Yeah, I, w- I was really uh, surprised about that um, uh, Daniel Murphy thing. I mean, this guy, you know, you remember some of those postseason games, he could barely walk. Yeah. Uh, his knees were so bad and everything. And, man, all the guy did was hit. And, and I saw the story actually before Brett Kennedy uh, that Murphy is trying to come back again. And he's playing an independent league baseball. Wow. Now, I don't know how well he's hitting. Um, but, man, um, he was with that team, and I think I think I read. Did a major league team just bring him in? The Angels. Angels. They did, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Danny Murphy. Yeah, they just really? brought him back and signed with the Angels uh, yesterday. Nice. nice. Wow. Has a little bit of baseball left. A minor uh, league contract, Triple A Salt Lake. I know uh, Cole Hamels is pitching for the Padres. He tried. He hasn't pitched in like three years, and he came back to to pitch this year. So I was really? I, was I didn't the, know that. Yeah, yeah, he's in the Padres organization. I don't know how well he's doing. I haven't heard a whole lot about. Was Murphy him. the one who had his legs taken out? Yes, I mean he's playing. He started the year with the Long Island the Ducks. Yeah, um, no, that was uh, the Pirates. And so far, Triple A. Uh, um, after he was brought in, I mean, guy's knocking the cover off the ball. Knocking the cover off the ball. Um, you know, and d- despite his success, apparently it says here in this article that the Angels were the only team in baseball trying to take a look at him because, you know, they're four games out in the wild card, I think it is, and they need some offense. Sure. Um, you know, the real bummer about speaking of the Angels was uh, with Shohei Otani, and um, now Mike Trout can't go to the All-Star game. Right. You know, these are the things that, 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 that really hurt baseball. Um, you've got your biggest, you've got all these young stars across, across the league, and especially mm-hmm. right here in Cincinnati. But a lot of people don't know who the second baseman with the Marlins. Nobody knows who this Luis guy Reyes, is. Yeah. Luis right? Reyes. Right. I mean, you know, you were talking about him flirting around with 400, that kind of thing. Right. right? Um, but nobody knows who he is. So it's great when baseball will be the only game in town to showcase its young stars, Right. Uh, this coming Tuesday night when the All-Star game is out in Seattle. And all of these young guys. And last year it was the, the, the kid from Seattle in the home run derby, right? And, uh, Julio. Yeah. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you try to make these guys well-known to the public at large so they can embrace baseball again. The rule changes have made it so much more interesting and exciting and keeps the game moving, all this kind of stuff. But now you're getting to that big game on Tuesday night. And here, just in the last two days. Now, off the top of your head, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exclude some of the young guys, the, the Acuna Juniors, for a minute, okay? 
Who are the three biggest names that were going to be in this All-Star game? The three biggest name players and or pitchers. Who are they? They are Shohei, Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. Trout. Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the deal is on Otani. We know that Trout's not going to play in the All-Star. Otani's planning on hitting. Yeah, hitting. He's not going to pitch. Right, he's not going to pitch. But that's what you wanted to see him Correct. do. Right? I mean, everybody wants to see him hit. He's probably going to hit one time and then get taken out, maybe twice. But everybody wanted to see the guy for at least one inning come in there and pitch. So here you have – now, you can make the argument, the flip side, that if you're a baseball fan, you already know who all three of these guys are anyway, right? I mean, Kershaw's been around forever. Trout, hard to believe, been around for a decade now. Uh, and Otani is, you know, all the rage and rightfully should be. Best all-around player in the game, I think. Um, and maybe in history depending on how his pitching career continues to go. But it's a bummer that you're not going to have Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout for sure, mm-hmm. right, in the All-Star game. And then you're getting guys from, I saw, what, two Seattle players are now in the yeah. – nothing against those guys. Nothing. And hopefully uh, each one of them goes out and gets two at-bats and it's two home runs each. But it, 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 it hurts the sport when you've gone through the entire year where Trout – Kershaw's come back pitching great. Would probably win to Cy Young today in the National League. Uh, probably. I think he would. Oh, sure. No, there for sure. Yeah. I think he would. Yeah, the two Cubs pitchers would be up there. Elder. Strider's ERA is not great. So, yeah, Kershaw might. Probably. Okay. Right. 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 Zach Gallen, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in the American League, Shohei would be right there in the mix for the MVP. Right? And right. heavy favorites for both. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what I'm saying is, is that, you, you know, you've got – the potential Cy Young Award winner in each league, the potential MVP winner in the American League, and a guy who's always in the MVP race in Trout uh, every year, who now all of a sudden is not going to play in the All-Star game. And another guy that's hurt that we didn't even mention yet, Aaron Judge. He just hit 62 home runs last year. That's yeah. great that everyone point. Everyone wants to see. That's, great yeah, point. He's he's one of the biggest. He's and the he's second biggest name in the in in the sport. Right. The two biggest names in the sport, and Shohei and and Judge aren't going to play. And right. Trout's probably number three. Ronald Acuna is up there, but Bryce Harper is not going to be there, obviously, because he's right. hurt and hasn't played well. Yep. So the biggest, the biggest brands in the sport aren't going to be playing in the All-Star now, game. Now, let me ask you this, because um, you guys are all baseball fans in this room. The, the, the flip side to all of this, as I just said, uh, people who have been following baseball for 10 years, even the last five, six years, Everybody knows who Trout is. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who Shohei is, right? Everybody knows who Aaron Judge is, and everybody knows who Clayton Kershaw is. Is it better for the sport, though? We all agree it stinks that they're not in there. I mean, Shohei's got a blister on his finger. because, like, So like you said, Jacob, he's going to hit. More than likely, the position the Angels are in, they're not going to pitch him in that game. It's not going to happen. Um uh, is it better for the sport to, to, to put young guys now ha- and now have them in there? Y- yes, in the sense of uh, people, like you said, they know who those guys are. But are you going to lose a lot of the common man that's tuning in to watch Shohei that would then see these other guys that are there anyway? Yeah. I think having the big names there is what drags a lot of non-baseball fans to watch the All-Star game. So, so replacing them with young players, in theory, yes, because you get more eyes on these young guys, but do you really? I mean, how, many, how much viewership are you losing with no Shohei and no Aaron Judge and you know, no Mike Trout? 
I don't know. What do you think? I th- yeah, I, I would I would have to agree. I think the bigger I mean the, the veterans that like I think Andrew McCutcheon is he going to make it this year? For Doesn't the, look like it unless they do what Albert Pujols. I think they're going to do that okay. though. I think I'm pretty sure. I don't know unless they do like a special celebrity. Right. Uh, you right. know, bring in the old guy. Yeah, he's right. he's borderline should be deserving of it anyways. Like, yeah, he's I, having a great year. Right. I but I think I do think there's a there is a point to not having the young guys um, be as showcased as they are. Because I mean, the people who are watching this game are not the young the, the young people, right? I guess you could say. Yeah, it's no, the, it's, you're the, right. it's the old guys. So I don't know. I think it's there's there's I the biggest issue I have is they still do every team has to have an all star. I think that's still the biggest sham of all time. Michael Lorenzen is a, is an all star for Detroit. He's got an ERA over four two. You know that's the kind of thing that upsets right. me when there's more deserving guys yeah. available, but you just have to throw in a Detroit player. So. What if, Since the All-Star game took away deciding home field for the World Series, I mean, it's like it's lost a lot of the fun. That's why baseball All-Star game was so much better than all the other ones because it actually meant something. Meant something, yeah. It's funny you say fine. that because a lot of people thought that was a terrible idea. It, it is, a in terms of competitive play, an absolutely horrendous idea because – while they it mattered that who which team won, neither team played to win the game. Right. They would have you know the best you know Pedro Martinez threw one inning, struck out the side. All right, good job Pedro. We got to get another All Star out there. If you're playing to win the game, you want your best person. You want Clayton Kershaw throwing six innings out right. there. But it, it, it was a terrible rule in that essence. Really, the All Star Game lost its luster when interleague play started, which I'm in favor of interleague play mm-hmm. happening in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's fair. But it lost its luster when you when you know when he got to see a chance when you know Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle playing on the same field against each other, and it's not in the World Series. You, yep. you come together, you get to see Johnny Bench go off against uh, Jim Palmer. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there from the '70s when the heyday of the All Star Game was. Yeah, I I agree with you 100 percent on that point. Somebody's going to say something. I thought somebody was going to say something. Well, you know what's funny is I'm looking at the the rosters right now. And we want to talk about, you know, losing major star power for, for the all-star roster. You look at the National League's pitching staff. And let me put it, these guys have all had fantastic seasons, but... Six first-time all-stars. Right. I mean, Zach Gallen, great pitcher. Spencer Strider, fantastic pitcher. But then, but then you go, like, Bryce Elder. Anyone heard of Bryce Elder before this year? Maybe in passing. He's having a fantastic season. Absolutely deserving of being an all-star. But would you have guessed he'd be... You know, the third pit, the guy who's going to throw the third inning in the All-Star game, Justin Steele for the Cubs, uh, Mitch Keller for, for Pittsburgh, uh, Josiah Gray for the Nationals. Like, the, the pitching staff doesn't have a whole lot of um, cachet, don't have a whole lot of star power for the National League. All right, I got a little breaking news here. Uh, David Brown in the chat says that Nick Kroll just said on the MLB Network that Abbott will not be shut down this year. I That's hope good. he's accurate in that. I, I mean, I shouldn't even be saying it unless I knew it was true. Um, that would be great news for the Reds and the Reds fans because, like I said, there, there would be chaos here. If this kid keeps pitching like he's pitching and all of a sudden in August you're in the middle of a pennant race and you start shutting guys down. I always thought it was a sham like when Steven Strasburg got shut down. 150 innings was the shutdown. I always thought that innings pitched – being the limit was a shame because as we all know, not every inning is created equal. An inning right. for, for Hunter That's Green right. is not the same inning as Marcus Stroman, right? I mean, yeah. they, 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 30 innings, you could pitch 30 
30 pitches in an inning, or you could throw seven. So why are we doing it by innings pitched with shut guys down? Why not we're doing it, you know, they're going to throw 2,000 pitches this year, and then we're going to shut okay, them down. Okay, here, here's where a lot of this stuff originated from. Okay, and, I, and we can get into this for another time. But this is where a lot of this stuff originated. And there's going to be a huge article that comes out in The Athletic later in the fall about the Cubs of um, 2003 that okay. lost the National League Championship Series to the Marlins. Mm -hmm. And I, I announced that series uh, for Fox. That year, now you, you know, to put it into context, and I know we're running short on time here, but, 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 but we'll get into this tomorrow. Here's where a lot of this stuff started with Tom Verducci writing this article, a lot of the medical people, analytics people coming into baseball, determining what's too much strain from one year to the next. Mark Pryor mm -hmm. made 19 starts with the Cubs in 2002. He pitched a total at the major league level of 116 innings that year. Now let me just make sure real quick cuz I want to check how many year how many how many um, innings he threw that year before they brought him up. So that was 2002. He had pitched a total that year of Let's see. 2002 he threw 116 innings. Yeah, and then another 50 in the minor leagues. Correct. So he threw, he threw uh, what, 160 innings. The next year, now here's a franchise that had not been to the playoffs, okay, since 89 when they, they lost to the Giants in the LCS, best of five. They had not uh, been to a league champion. Well, they, they played in 89. They played in 84. Yep, they had not won a World Series since 1945. Dusty Baker's the manager of the Marlins, mm -hmm. uh, of the uh, Cubs that year. To this day, he gets raked over the coals in Chicago for the amount of pitches and innings that he allowed the following year, both Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood to pitch. Mark Pryor threw, he went from 160, right, mm -hmm. to 200. And 11 innings in the regular season, okay? And now you get into his numbers in the postseason that year. So he pitched a, f a few more innings. Okay, everybody says that Dusty Baker, or a lot of people say, Dusty Baker ruined Mark Pryor. The next year, he was only healthy enough for 118. The next year, 166. The next year, he was done. Never pitched in the big leagues again after 2006, Right? Okay, so th this is where you'll get into around here. And if that's true, what David said, uh, that Nick Kroll said, he said, she said here, is where you get into the whole thing of, okay, you know, which side of the fence are you going to come down on this deal? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say, run Abbott out there, innings be damned, okay, to try to win. And then if for some reason he's unable to, to do some things next year, you can't have it both ways, right? Correct. Okay. We'll get into that another time. All right. Do we have a cherry on top? Uh, we do. We do. Let's have it. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. So, uh, oh boy, here the we biggest, go. The biggest champion. Not 
where he looks like he's got four. four. I've seen. Here's the count. Three, two, one, put down your hot dog! With 62 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win, I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut! Joey Chestnut won his uh, 16 out of 17 uh, championship and hot dogging contest. The most dominant athlete of our time. Now, did you hear what happened with that last night, Tom, or yesterday? They were gonna, they were gonna cancel they the whole event. Cancel. Well, they, they did. I thought they they shut it down because it rained the day before, right? And then, but then Joey Chestnut walked back out. He got all the guys together and said, "We're not leaving." And they pulled everybody back out onto the stage and uncanceled the event. Does any on the Fourth of July have that kind of power? No. Joey Chestnut is a is a legend. He entered the competitive eating scene in 2005 with a breakout performance in the what? Anybody know? This might surprise you. The Deep Fried Asparagus Eating Championship. Oh, sounds incredible. While he was a student at San Jose State University. How about that? There you go. Trains by fasting and by stretching his stomach with milk, water, and protein supplements. He says, I will not stop until I hit 70 years young. He's got to hit 80 hot dogs. Chest, chestnut, you know what the, the real crime of Chestnut's competitive eating career was? Is he tore down another true champion in Kobayashi. That's right. That's true. He's scared. That's right. I and mean, that was, and, you talk and, about and here is what you may not know before we leave. Joey Chestnut holds the world record. We all know him for the hot dogs, mm -hmm. right? He holds the world record for chicken wings, crystal hamburgers, pulled wow, pork sandwiches, steak. These are all based on time now, yep. okay? Funnel cakes, Philly cheesesteaks, mm. salt potatoes, Taco Bell tacos, Great. corned beef sandwiches, tamales. Apple pies, hard-boiled eggs, <laughs> pork ribs, Twinkies, deep-fried asparagus, pulled pork sliders, boysenberry pie, burritos, gyros, glazed donuts. He holds a world record in all these things. It's amazing. That is a living legend of our time. It's like if Shohei Otani also played quarterback. That's exactly right. That's How did exactly. you pronounce the, the, the lamb and pita sandwich? Well, you, you get it. You, you, some people say gyros, heroes. It all depends, right? Euro. Euro. Well, so, yeah, how do you say it? Euro. Euro. Like, the, Euro? like the currency. Like the currency. Yeah. I've never heard it said that way, but you learn something new every single day. Tom Flockies in Athens, Ohio at about 215A. Tom, could you eat No two? place on the planet. That's better, better than that. Still going strong. Great Euro? 40 years plus Souflockies. In downtown Athens, right off of Court Street, half a block down on the left. Same place that Tom Brenneman, Mike Schmidt. Late night, roll right in. Did somebody have something to say yeah, there? Yeah, Tom, could you eat 64 Sky Rosas in 10 minutes? <laughs> I've never had a Sky Rosa. How much time? I've never had it either. July 17th. But, we're, but, but July 17th. July, we're yeah. going to try it. We're going to try Rosa. it. 10 minutes. I like I liked most of our swag. Some of it I'm not so sure. 
let's go to uh, chatterboxsports.com. Store, click it, right? And you can see all of our merch, which we have on sale right now. Correct? Read mouse? Correct. Yep. And if you uh, you spend $100 in merch, you get a free ticket to uh, Chatterbox Night, July 17th. San Francisco Giants. We'll all be there on the riverboat. Be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. Casey, oh. you'll be there. You know yes. where your Bengals jersey for that? Uh, I might have to. I might have to, su- to support my guy, Joe Burrow, because there's not a lot of people in here. Oh, my oh. God. See, he, that's the way he's going to leave this with all the people in the chat. <laughs> this guy stinks. We love Joe Burrow on this show. We love Joe Burrow. <laughs> all right. Uh, Casey, thank you. Yep. Reed, Elliot. Thank you, Tom. Jake, is uh, box lunch coming up today or no? No box no. lunch, Tom. Okay, but we do have Chatterbox Reds tonight. And Elliot. Debut. I mean, luck, what, what time do you normally hit the hay? You might have to be up late tonight. <laughs> yeah, I will be. I usually hit the hay around midnight. So, we'll, Oh, we'll... you're fine. You're fine. If, oh, extra innings, Tom? Well, extra you're innings. not going to have extra innings. Tom. Okay. No, no, no. Reds, will, Reds. Uh, your guy, Graham Ashcraft, he'll have a big game tonight. You're on your way. All right. Uh, thank all of you for joining us. A lot of fun today, bouncing around a little bit. Paul Dockerty's back. Uh, he was overseas for a long time. Uh, he'll be joining us tomorrow. Friday, we're going to have Bill Schroeder, longtime major league catcher, was an excellent player for a long, long time in the big leagues. And he has been, for the last 15, 20 years, the TV analyst for the Milwaukee Brewers alongside Brian Anderson. So we're going to have him on Friday to uh, talk about the big series between the Reds and the Brewers. And next week, since the All-Star game is coming up, uh, Monday we're going to venture into some college football. We didn't get into it today. Uh, This is a real key time right now. Last weekend was the last time that high school football recruits could be brought into different schools and their final visits before they make a decision. There were multiple major decisions with repercussions that took place over the weekend at UC, at Ohio State, at Notre Dame. Uh, a lot of other places, uh, Michigan. And so we're going to be, we're, we're going to stack up the show Monday with a lot of college football recruiting all-star game next Tuesday night. And of course, uh, then the Reds will get back at it on Thursday or Friday, the next week against Milwaukee. Uh, thank all of you so much for joining us. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow on Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a good day.